Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League Grand Fifth and Last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Another week down and another week closer to the final series box head. Five games remaining in this NRL season. And last week, we had one of the closest and best rounds we've had in a long time this weekend. Bit of the opposite. Well, it was a shit round. Quitting quitting round for a few teams who have kind of reached that point where I think they know their season's over. And they certainly played like they thought their season was over. It surprised me. It it really, really surprised me. So, um, yeah, I don't know know what more to say. I I don't know. well, I don't For say. Newcastle uh, to turn up like they did. The Gold Coast, we knew they were gone. Yeah, well, I think... Uh, I think the Warriors, Brisbane, like, their seasons, they weren't on the line. They're on the line now. Yeah. They're probably going to win out to to uh, have any realistic chance or they might have one more chance left in the bank. But I think they're all giving each other an opportunity because no one's really playing that well. each other, yeah. Well, I think this weekend we'll get a clearer view with a couple of the games <laughs> clashing. And over the next few weeks, a few of those teams in that logjam are playing one another. So it definitely will become clear. But one thing I will take out of the weekend, I think the top six is now finished. Uh, Parramatta now kicking two away from seventh place. You doubt that they could lose out and somehow fall out. So realistically, our, our top six is sorted. There's probably two spots left inside that top eight. And I dare say a few of those teams you mentioned before, in my opinion, have been on booking.com, booking. Yeah. Because there was a fair few blokes in the weekend that looked like they're ready for bad Monday and triple A. So, one extreme to the other. Two weeks apart, where we kick things off as we always do here on the fifth and last. If you're here for the first time with our set of six, six questions, thoughts, statements, whatever we want to talk about to kick things off. And number one box, you spoke of Newcastle. <clears throat> Not only has the losing streak ensued after the Origin series and a little bit of uh, well, in- in row, injury trouble and form, but now. Obviously, during the week, they had the Ramian situation. And then you come out this week, I think, probably poor timing, not on Ponga's part, by his manager's part, to come in, in my opinion, and say now that they're after $6 million over four years after they've just lost four or five in a row. I know they're in a down patch, and he's actually played quite well, and he's young, and all these other bits and pieces. But now's not the time to throw that out in the media. I think they're under enough pressure, and there's enough going on in the club already, without that having to come out. The Ramian situation I found very interesting. <clears throat> said it a couple of weeks ago that I thought... Form-wise, defensively, was an issue that a lot of people seemed to have with him. I thought that having man inside and he was on an island a lot. But apparently from day dot, uh, you know, he wasn't too happy. And we said last year that because they signed him so early, before he hit that patch of form, that maybe they got him for unders. And then you hear things about his dad apparently being unhappy and shopping him around behind the club's back and all sorts of things going on. But um, I don't really know what to make of that situation. A couple of the players that were with him at the Sharks reckon he's a really good bloke and really quiet and goes about his business whether it was poor on his dad's part, whether he's had disagreements with Nathan Brown, but with the information that's come to the surface, in all honesty, 
Forget the way they're playing right now. I don't blame Newcastle for wanting him out of the club. If his dad was running him up, causing trouble, and there was trouble. Well, it's as simple as if he doesn't want to be there, let him yeah, go. Let I him agree. Go. I think it's a ballsy call by Nathan. Hundred percent, Nathan Brown. So I applaud him on that. From his side's perspective, they're Jekyll and Hyde. <clears throat> they can streak. They can beat anyone. They can lose to anyone as well. The performance where they got smashed by the Titans, that's as good as the Titans have looked all year, and we've seen how bad they are. Uh, but yet they've come out and they've blown the doors off the Roosters. I know the Roosters had a few players out, but I I don't know what to make of Newcastle. I, they're on the slide. They should be a finals team. Best form, they're a finals team. Worst form, they're a bottom four team. Well, again, we it's said... just what falls in between, and what falls in between is... Sporadic performances. We said at the start of the year that streak was definitely going to hurt, and even after the win streak, then the origin period kicked in. They obviously had Safidi get caught in, along with Clemmer when he got injured, then Pierce got back in the frame, Ponga. So that kind of hurt them for a tiny bit there, plus a couple of injuries, and now they've gone back on the opposite side of it. A couple of those guys have come back in the side. I don't think <coughs> Pierce's form has been quite as good. I think Ponga's been well up to standard, as has Clemmer. Safidi's been okay, but in general, I think the main thing that was fixed during their winning streak was their defensive attitude. Mm. They were one during that period they were the most relentless side as far as pressure, line speed, marker work, tying in from the inside, like just all effort, energy and intent for eighty minutes. You watch them at the moment, half the reason these edge decisions are so poor or they keep getting caught out is because they can't win a ruck. If you can't win a ruck, you get extra bodies in there, you tighten up, then there's more spaces out wide. Manly did it to them again on the weekend. Mm. Manly found a way to get out of yardage like they did against Melbourne shifting the ball. And then when they spaced themselves out, they come back to the middle with their big forwards. And when they lost out at that situation, the ruck broke down. Players were all sucked in and caught and the edges were exposed. And they got them on both sides of the field again. So I don't know what's happened, but that's the number one area for me watching them the last few weeks. I think there's still enough in their attack. Pongo, these kind of guys getting around the field, but they've got to cut out the lack of energy. Uh, a few times there where they held on their goal line. I don't know where it's gone, but that was the number one thing I thought they fixed was their defensive energy. And right now it's not existent again. Hmm. So the Ramian situation uh, for all the talk, so we both agree on that one. I think, again, if you were a coach and you had a bloke who was unhappy from day one, then you know his dad's going around and doing the dirty business like that under contract, you'd be filthy. Absolutely. So yeah. as far as where he lands, as usual, he, he's been linked to the Roosters. I have no idea how that would work. Um, there was talk a couple of days ago. People tried to link him to Melbourne. Melbourne have already come out, Frank Panisi, and said that's not going to be happening. So... Take that how you will, but generally when Melbourne say something, they stick by it and they mean it. And there was already talk, obviously, most people that the logical place would be to go back to the Sharks, but they've got a cap sanction for next year and they're struggling for space as is. So as to where he goes, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? As far as where I think, I wrote down some Sydney teams the other day with the thought the whole point of him staying in Sydney last time was his daughter, who lives on the Central Coast. So I don't think he'd go out of state. The, the team I came up with, as far as right centres, you look around the league, most people are pretty much sorted. Yeah. The Tigers have upgraded Isar Masters. You've got Roberts, who's freshly signed with South. Wonga Blake's freshly signed with Para. The Roosters have got Joseph Manu. Like, a lot of these clubs do have a right centre or someone who's locked in long-term. And the Sharks, obviously, are still stuck with Dugan or Morris. We've shared on the left-hand side for the next couple of years. The only team I logically looked at was the Panthers or the Dragons. Mm. And I think on the Dragon side of things, Aitken... Hot and cold, been in and out, Lomax, so they sold on him, yeah. Knows. Then it comes down to money. And on the Penrith side of things, you've got Faro, who on his day defensively is outstanding, but he's also been injury prone. He's 30 now. But out of all the clubs I kind of looked at, depending on money and situation, doesn't I don't fit. Think it's gonna, I don't think it's going to depend on that. I think it's going to depend on, A, where he wants to go, and B, his attitude. Mm. So. He's obviously got somewhere in mind if he's happy just to walk out the door. 
I don't think they gave the option. I think Brown just said, if you're not happy, you can go right now. Yeah, but he then walked. Yeah, he could have said, clearly. okay, you know, I'll stick so around or whatever. Either. I understand but that. The, uh, yeah, I, the Ponga situation, forget the timing. And I, like I said, for his manager, <laughs> I think it's poor because he's, poor dropped, he's dropped this in the air and then he's gone to America for a month. So it's just going to sit there. Uh, the money, though, $1.5 million. Is he worth $1.5 million? No. Because, you know. No, simple as that. Top end money for halves, fullbacks. We're talking probably, I think, Cherry Evans, highest paid player, 1.2. I don't know. I I just think one one 1.5, like he was happy to go there for the big wedge he got. I, I hate I hate this notion that you're you're allowed to renegotiate contracts that are fixed, essentially. He signed until the end of a period and then now you want to renegotiate it. I, I get it when they're on pickles. Mm. When they get not getting a lot, he, but he's on. Well, they reached in early. And took he's the on risk. pretty good money. That's right. So six, if he was going 000. like a buster, would he be given any back? No. Well, six hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand. Yes, he's played for Queensland. So, but if you, if you wanted to put him on market, you should have right put now, more performance indicators into the contract, performance triggers. Yeah, and then he would be getting more. I think right now, though, if you told me market value, I like I still wouldn't want to pay one point five for any player just because it's such a large piece of your cap. Do I think he's a million dollar player? No. I, 1.5 is huge worth. He's a million dollar player, but 1.5 is 300,000 more than the next highest paid player, which is Cherry Evans. Like, I, I think when you start to get into that million dollar age, you're giving up a massive proportion of your salary cap. But 1.5 million, we're getting closer to the 20% mark. So that's a lot to invest. And then you've got 29 other players that have to make up the other 7.5 million. Um, and then you're talking about Pierce. I think he's on about eight fifty nine hundred. It's just not smart business. Like you're talking two players almost taking up two and a half million dollars. So yeah. Clemmer seven hundred eight hundred thousand between those three alone, you would lose possibly thirty five percent of your cap, thirty percent of your cap. So yeah, uh, I definitely think he's a million dollar player, but one point five. That's not smart play. That's a big reach. And I think you know, I looked at it today. He has a year left plus an option for another year. So technically, I think they've got him for two more if they want to. Yeah. Before they have to offer anything to keep him happy, I can understand they might want to meet him somewhere in the middle. But I wouldn't be offering one point five, so not a chance. Newcastle, <coughs> see if they can turn it around. But moving on, tackle two, the top three teams have flexed their muscle on the weekend in Canberra. In particular, all year it's been Melbourne, the Roosters, and South. South obviously had a loss on the weekend, but Canberra uh, have obviously pushed themselves up into second position on four and against. I'm pretty sure after the weekend. For the time being, Melbourne, uh, after a loss, bounced straight back, absolutely dust the Broncos, were dominant in every facet. And then the Roosters, still missing four or five players, roll up against Joel Mubbin, obviously put 58. And, yeah, roll, uh, Raiders go over New Zealand. Left straight after the Panthers game, apparently. Went to New Zealand, spent the week there. Went to camp, 30-0 up at halftime. Uh, you know, full credit to them. I, I obviously don't think the Warriors put in that much of an effort. I think they basically quit after the, the tough result they got last week. But... There's a clear-cut three teams right now, plus Manly. I think Manly's right in the mix there as well. And then you've got South, who are still waiting, I guess, for Sam to come back. Again, gets suspended on the weekend. His brother Tom's just come back in. George is a while off. Johnston. So there's a few bodies that they're missing. And while they've been missing those middles, I think they have been struggling. But in particular, Sam on the weekend. To come back first game and put yourself in that situation, definitely not helping his side. But the top three right now look pretty clear-cut. And South need those guys back on the field and need to turn their form quickly and it's not going to get any easier because they're playing Melbourne this week. So, uh, Roosters, Canberra should be an absolute cracker. I'm just disappointed about the timing. 
I'm not going to take any thing away from Canberra. Why is the timing poor? Well, there's still a couple of players missing. You're missing Friend. You're missing Tokiaho. You're it's missing Cordner. Finals. You know, I'd like to see I'd, all those guys on deck and watch it. them clash. But you know, I'd, they, I'd rather them play now than having teams play twice in the first six rounds, like some teams did. Yeah. So, I, you know, we've got the top four playing this Sunday. I think it's fantastic heading into the final. So, you know, there might not be every player on deck come finals time. That's that's basically what dictates who wins the competition. So, no, I'm really looking forward to it. City to surf Sunday morning and then I'm going to find a pub somewhere and just plonk my ass down and watch the two, I think, biggest games so far this season. In terms of position on the ladder, it's the highest quality day we've seen this season. Yep. All the top four playing one other. Tackle three, the top eight. Obviously, as we said before, the picture has become more clear. The top five, you'd say, well, we've been saying most of the year that those five teams are in, in particular that top three, even though South has slipped out now. But you've got the Storm, well and truly, out in front. Roosters, Raiders sitting there. South, all logjam with Manly, all bundled together. Then you've got Para, who have now put themselves two wins clear of seventh and eighth. But then looking at it realistically, Sharks, who have bounced back last two weeks, Tigers who have bounced back as well. Penrith lost two on the trot. Broncos beat, you know, the two worst teams in the comp. Newcastle kind of sitting there. I think from 7th down to 12th, the Warriors have a flicker of hope on 17 because of the draw, but it's highly unlikely. So if you're asking me right now, I think we have five teams competing for the last two spots. And Newcastle, I haven't quite looked at their run. I did a ladder predictor a couple of days ago. Before that round ended on the weekend, and I think I came up with the same eight that we have right now on four and against that. Mm. I had a look at it. Out of all those teams that are in that logjam right there, the only one who has a positive four and against right now is the Sharks. Not by much. Well, I've got $1,200 riding on the Tigers missing the eight, so. Your death ride on the Tigers then. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, I think it was the Tigers and maybe Penrith that I had ending up on similar points, but the four and against was better on the Tigers side of things, so. Again, not looking at the draws right now. Those last two teams to get in the eight. I think the Sharks, the way they won on the weekend, and if they beat Penrith this weekend, are well on their way to putting themselves back into the top eight. That last spot there. Do you think it will be the Tigers, the Panthers, the Broncos? Can Newcastle show some fight? Right. To pick it right now, Tigers, you'd have to favour the Tigers. They've won two or three in a row, haven't they? Well, they in pretty good form. They defensively. They went down to Canberra and you know started slowly, but I thought competed for probably sixty minutes of that match. So, on effort and form and consistency, they're probably the one at the moment that I feel most confident about. And the other one would probably be the Sharks. Well, they've got the dogs this week, the Tigers. They lost early in the year to them in a game that most thought they should have won. So you think they'd be hungry to avenge that loss? And then on the Sharks side of things, they play Penrith. They can have a direct result. On some of their playing hmm. Eels Newcastle the Eels had that loss which started the win streak of Newcastle and they're at Bank West you think they would want to get one back on the well, Knights you look and you go well Cowboys Broncos loser that is gone if the Cowboys are probably gone now I've got them gone but certainly um, the loser that is gone if the Warriors don't beat Manly they're gone so straight away that's going to solve it's basically going to make, make it a, a competition of 10 um so and yeah, if Newcastle lost to Parramatta, and then it'd probably open open it all up for everyone because everyone's got beat. Uh, Penrith Cronulla, that's an interesting game. Um, the week later, the Tigers play Manly at Brookie. Panthers Broncos have a direct effect on again. As Knights I said. Cowboys same. If that depending on results, uh, the Sharks play the Dragons, which in current form right now you think they oh, they they win that kick away. I think the Sharks have got the run. They've got the Warriors, the Sharks. They'll beat the Warriors. Tigers, Newcastle play again, depending on how Newcastle's going. Again, another game that could have a direct effect. 
Raiders Manly playing each other in a couple of weeks' time, which could have a direct effect on what happens to the top four depending on the results the next few weeks. But looking at the run, I'm probably with you. It looks like the Sharks will be booking one of those spots. The Tigers' run's not too bad either. (coughs) To get to play the Dragons, and obviously this weekend they've got the Dogs, which is no easy And they finish with the Sharks. And they finish with the Sharks. Well, look at the play. Those Sunday games on the last day of the the regular season could be playing games. Could have an effect depending on what's happening. The draws worked out pretty well, I think. And then you've got South Roosters on the Thursday... Manly both going well last round hopefully yeah. similar situation so no, I, think, I think the draw looks really really exciting yeah. for the last five weeks I think I'd be confident in the Sharks now <laughs> I'm just more disappointed they had that slump in the middle there I don't know and it was I, more I don't know ego, but... I, I want to see it for a few weeks consistently first yeah alright well, but with Wade Graham back I've got a lot more confidence in them than others yeah <laughs> tackle for the Burgess Bennett blow up uh, due to his discipline to the week you want me to chuck this one in what are, you, what are your thoughts on this one what was that point the Burgess and Bennett oh well they're playing Bennett's be giving him a decent spray they <laughs> I reckon there was words exchanged uh, in regards to the high tackle from Sam he's been out for a while as we all know with the the drip in his in his arm after the shoulder had some complications with an infection in his shoulder comes back and what was it not even 10 minutes into the game he's on report He's currently in the judiciary right now, so we're monitoring news on that. But we both feel as though he's probably going to be very, very lucky if he does get off. Um, Maloney's been found guilty. Well, how he didn't think that was a trip, or how he's going to argue that wasn't a trip, I don't Ridiculous. know. Ridiculous. Yeah, well, you hadn't seen it, and we, we had a look at it earlier, and I said to you, it's, I think it's a trip. And then you looked at it and thought, well, so I'm not sure what they're going to argue. Burgess has entered a guilty plea, but is seeking a downgrade. So he's trying to get away from carrying some extra points. But I think they said if he no, does... No, it's only a fine if he gets downgraded. Okay. Well, I don't think he's going to get downgraded. I and carryover points, I think. Well, it says here, if Burgess succeeds in having the grade two reduced, he'll be hit with a grade one with a fine and free to take on. Mm. So, uh, if not, he's suspended for two games. It's, a, big, f- it's a very big roll of the dice, I think. Very big role. There's a few interesting ones there. (laughs) Nelson Asafa Solomon got 90 carryover points. He took an early guilty plea. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah, I just I don't like the whole the points. The points get me because they sit there and they linger. Next charge, basically you're gone. Mm. So for Nelson, he likes to don't get charged. It's not hard. I'm with you, but there you go. James Maloney is out this week, so that is a big blow. We'll hopefully let you know about Sam Burgess. I'll be shocked if Sam Burgess got off, but. Well, the Panthers have a bit of a situation, as we know earlier on. Tyra May is obviously still suspended, not able to play. Jerome Luai has double vision after getting poked in the eye last week. Maloney now out as well. Uh, they're looking at possibly playing Sione Katoa in the halves, and then if not on standby now, because it's past the round 16, you're allowed to play players outside your top 30 who are development players. So they have Dean Bloor, who's come through the 20s, played Australian schoolboys. New South Wales Cup the last couple of years. He's a genuine half, probably more of a ball runner than an organiser. And then they've got Matt Burton, who played New South Wales 20s, was man of the match in that game. And I'm pretty sure he's come from the Western Rams side that they've had, isn't it? Yes. I don't think he actually played SG at Penrith. He played the country championships in the Western Rams, which is their (coughs) program they run out Bathurst and that kind of catchment area, which is now producing some pretty good players for them. Yeah, Machi, Bathurst, Orange. You'd think on this shorter notice, they'd probably go with Bloor if they don't put Qatar in. Yeah, that I would think, be. I think it'd be ball. He's been around for a bit longer. He's played a lot more kind of that cut level football. Burton's just kind of come through 18s, 20s, and now pushing that level. Not saying that he's not of that ability moving forward, but you think that Bloor's played a lot more against men at this point. In time. Well, we know, Dean. Yeah, 
I coached him we for four years. You coached him for two years. So Good we've family. had an involvement um, with that family since 2007. So You just think it'd be the smarter option though right now. Like I, I, What I've seen of Burton... I think he's ready. I think Dean's ready to have a crack at first grade. I think physically as well for a half, he's a big body. So defensively, I'd, I would be he's less tall, worried yeah. about him in that sense as well. And his brother, Sean, who we spoke about multiple times in the show, is also... A hell of a player, but uh, the Sam Burgess thing, I think, on Wayne Bennett's side, I think he does need to be lit up. I think the big thing for Sam, and heard some people comment the last few days, he constantly feels like he's the victim. Um, <coughs> what probably more bothers me is not so much even the suspension or playing the victim. It's during games he loses his head, and he's the captain. And he's just come back, and you want him to keep his composure. And the other night when Gal was getting little nudges on the ground, he dropped an elbow on his head, and then he complained to the referee. He just constantly seems to be pushing shit uphill. Like, let it go. Stop talking to the referees. Stop getting a bee under your bonnet and play good footy. Mm. Worry about playing footy. Set an example for your teammates. And that especially rubs off on guys that he's had an influence on this season. Like, he's been mentoring about Liam Knight. His brothers have also not got the best judiciary records. Obviously, George is out at the moment. They've all got a pretty decent rap sheet. But if you're the head figure in particular of a forward pack and an aggressive player, and you're constantly arguing with refs, abusing people and carrying on, it flows through the team. Mm. And they got dominated the other night by the Sharks. Yeah, they did. So I think, yeah, mm. for him to come back after a long layoff, they're looking forward to him. He's the spiritual leader of that forward pack. And then after 10 minutes, I, I don't think, like you said earlier, looking at the replay again, that he really saw Moylan. Was it ugly? Yep. He chinned him. He got in fair and square. I think he kind of lost sight of the tackle. But he just kind of spiralled down as the game went further on. And he didn't help his side. So I can't blame Wayne Bennett, honestly, for getting fired up. But tackle five. The Sharks, as we just spoke about, after that little bit of a slump, talk about some infighting and guys complaining in particular about positions and when they're playing. It seems like they've thrown all that to the side. Everyone got back on board to playing for the team the other night and in particular the impact of Wade Graham. Wade Graham is clearly the key piece to the Sharks. He makes everyone better. He's the perfect balance, as we said before, if today you could find that back row. He's the perfect balance of power and speed. You can run lines inside, outside, get it a half, kick pressure in, but then at the same time he has the ability to completely own an edge because he's got the skill set of a half mm. coming through playing the way he did <clears throat> it just immediately had an effect on his team he was leading kick chase pressure his marker work he was dropping blokes left right and centre he pressured halves on every kick he took all the pressure off Chad Townsend on that left edge he fed Sherry early ball and there's just a knock on effect to everyone he enhanced Sherry he enhanced Chad Townsend there was pressure off Sean Johnson it made Matt Moylan better he literally has a flow on effect to all the key pieces of their team and then more importantly, he has that aggressive side that you just feel like you have to get on the back of and all the forwards got on the back of. And in particular, pressuring halves on kicks. He was there every single time a half thought about kicking the ball. Um, if he stays healthy, and hopefully does after being missing for the majority of the season, I've said it before, I think they've got plenty of talent on this side and they've really let themselves down more so by ego than ability with that slump they've just had. But Wade Graham looks like the man who makes yeah, the Sharks tick. Yeah, correct. I... I think he's uh, a huge, huge, huge wild card for them if he can stay on the field. He, you look at New South Wales, even their output in points, they were so much higher when Graham was on the field <clears throat> uh, in game two. I think we, what do we score upwards near 40 points? The yeah. other two games we struggled to crack 20. So uh, he's going to be vitally important. And also, I think they've got a few other guys that are coming into some form. Feeders coming back. So potentially they could have a very, very strong side heading into the, uh, into the finals. Yeah, and I think that combination worked nicely of having Fafita and Ueli off the bench with Williams and starting with Pryor and Woods just to get through the shit work. They kind of got through the spade work. They're kind of one pace kind of players, just grind out. And to think that you could roll on Andrew Fafita for bulk minutes, 
Ueli, who's been an absolute revelation. You've got two dynamic guys there that have mobility, offloads, footwork, and then Jack Williams has meant it's got cut even less. So their bench is stacked. Like their 17, when you look at it full strength, I think is as good as anyone in the competition. I really do. But again, it's more the other things for Cronulla you don't know about, like we said before. They had a mini implosion mid-season purely off ego on guys not being happy or playing at a position. Well, not even mid-season. It was two weeks And ago. I think a few guys of those younger dudes like Nakora and that hit a bit of a flat spot. The one for me that's still glaring is I don't. Th- I still don't think Sean Johnson's played well. I really don't. Mm. So, like, to think they could do what they did on the weekend and I don't think Johnson had a huge effect on the result. If he finds his way to get him more involved in the game and be <coughs> the best version of himself, mm. you know, and I think... Braley is obviously going to be a good pickup. Him and his brother are both good players, but he's developed nicely this year as well. So I think Newcastle will be pretty happy that he's coming their way next year. But tackle six, last one we got here. Uh, I had a few things we could have talked about. Everyone seems to be talking about the Cowboys and Paul Green and what's going on there. Uh, is he under pressure? Are the players off him? Bits and pieces. There was rumours earlier in the year, uh, you know, from some play, ex-players or players that are still there now that they're off him. As far as you're concerned do they look stale do you think they need a change or do you think it's a case of a bit of a pass mark given all that's happened like Tom Lolo did miss a fair portion I think Morgan's actually missed more games than what people probably think this year Ben Barber getting knocked before the start of the season I know they brought Kahu over he's been in and out Nana McDonald only lasted a couple of games and he was out of the side I think they've kind of had a rough trot they're the six point team this year and what I mean by that is they're going to be the team that's lost, lost all those a bunch games. of those games Paul Green, I think he'll see the year out. I think he looks frustrated. I don't think he looks stale. He might have gone a little bit stale with some of the players. But a coach has got to be good enough to identify that and try and roll it over. But again, that's hard when you've had such a quality side. You win a premiership. What happens is you try and lock a lot of players up. So, mm. And then, therefore, you're going to be handcuffed to those guys. So it's, it is difficult. I do think there's some guys, though, even in that period before they went on that run, that they held on to for too long. I agree with that. I think the other thing they face is getting players up there. I'm not saying they wouldn't, but now that Thurston has moved on, like Tamalolo is a draw card, but at the same time, if you're a young bloke in Sydney with family and friends around, it's not as easy as just saying, I'll go to North Queensland. Mm. Like, if you have options in Sydney, people mm. sometimes go, oh, that should be an up. Well, it's not. Like, if you've got family and friends, you'll stay. It's a yeah. bit like Melbourne. This is why Melbourne have to go out and find these guys and <coughs> develop some of these fringe guys that you see coming in because it's not easy just to go to a player and say, yeah, you want to come to Melbourne? A lot of people don't want to uproot their family. So makes it a lot easier when you've won comps and you're minor premiers all the time. Mm. But I think for Green, what do they win? They win 15. They had that miracle run 17. Last year was a bit of a down year. They needed to turn some players over. I think this year started disastrous before they even got onto the field. So the fact that he's won a comp and made a grand final, I think he'll be given a bit of leeway. But I think next year's definitely pressure time. Let, next year's pressure time, big time. That's two finishes outside the eight in a row. Poor form by a couple of big players. Some roster turnover and some drama, but... Three years in a row without finals, I think he'd definitely be gone next year. No doubt. If he didn't win. So. <clears throat> Interesting to see what happens there. But that's a set of six wrapped up. We move on to the Power Rankings box head brought to you by none other than the Penrith Solar Centre award winning <clears throat> trades and service. The best one in the Western Sydney Weekender, local business awards for Western Sydney. But if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you more on edge than an origin decider. Penrose Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists who are helping local families take control of their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home and your back pocket. Contact them today on 1800 20 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season when it comes to your bills. www.penrosolar.com.au 
We saw Jakey on the weekend. We did, mate. Doing quite well. And like we said, we've got some people on board with the show. We're on board with that. Definitely helped the back pocket last year during summer. Saved plenty of money on the deductor bills out here in the Gold West when it was close to 40 degrees some days. So it was very nice not to see $1,000, $1,100 bills. It was much better to see $500 bills. So if you're looking at it, that time of year is coming around again, especially if you live out our way. Solar is a great idea. Get on to Jake and the boys. But Power Rankings box head, number one, Melbourne Storm. Self-explanatory. Yep. Uh, number two, I've still got the Roosters. Likewise. Uh, regardless of who's been in and out, I think, again, when it all comes back together, and if it does come back together on their day, they can beat absolutely anyone. Number three, I've had a change this week. The Raiders have now jumped oh, he's to with three. me. Yeah. Uh, One change for me. I've got Manly <clears throat> at four. I've got South at four. Manly have... <laughs> Gone one and one with South. I know they lost the other week. They've beaten the Raiders. Uh, they've had some good games this year, and I still feel that if South pretty quick, if they started the year with Tom on board and without the Origin effect, I think they'd probably have a couple more wins and be further up. So disagree. Pr- respectfully disagree. I think South deserve to hold their spot at four. Well, I've got South. That's, that's the strongest Shark side that's played, and they played yep. them at the prison. Well, the only reason I've got them back down in five <laughs> is I still want to see this forward pack and when it's coming back. Well, that makes it more impressive for me that they are still in the top four, that they'd be able to win without them. Yeah, so. they've grabbed some results. I've got, anyway, I've got Manly at five. Yep, and I think just a bit more, I don't know, just something a bit more impressive. The top five are easy. I know they've been jagging these wins and they've been getting the job done, but there's been some ugly, ugly results. What, just... what I think is vital from uh, Raiders, Eagles and South's perspective is that they land in the four. One of them isn't going to land in yeah. there. So and I think it's vital for one of them to land. This is for, I'm looking at South right now for me, and the reason I've got them at five is if they head into this week against Melbourne at Central Coast, so it's not in Sydney either, neutral venue and Sam's suspended and they lose, they could possibly put themselves in a real bad spot. They finished the year with the Roosters. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the other games in between are, but yeah, they're, they're in a vulnerable position. Who we got position. at six? Number six, I've got the Eels still Yeah, in. they're on their own little island, yeah. like Tasmania. They've separated themselves from that other kind of They're echelon. not in that top bit, but they're not in the bottom bit, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, Seven. Who have you got? Panthers. I don't know. I've got the Sharks. I've left the Panthers there. They've got one chance. And I've got the Sharks at eight. Reason being, um, if Sharks can knock Panthers off, I'm going to bump them up. So. Well, I've got the Tigers, and the reason I've got the Tigers at eight is because I think their draw is... So you've, you've dropped the Panthers out. Yeah. Wow. And the reason why is they've also got a bit of a tough run coming up. They're going to play yeah, the Sharks you and this your draws. week. Well, you've got to look at these yeah. things. They've got to play the Sharks this week. Well, look at the draw. Penrith, everyone had Penrith winning on the week. They've got the Roosters <laughs> coming up as well. And there was another game in there that I forgot about. So they don't have the easiest run on the way home, the Pennies. And I think the Tigers have got a few more. And honestly, I think defensively right now, impressed with what I've seen with the Tigers and their attacks slowly starting to come together a bit better the last few weeks. Uh, what they can maintain it's a different story but again could have been Penrith in there on the outside looking in obviously like you said you've probably got Broncos and Newcastle I think the Warriors are probably too far gone after what they put in on the weekend but mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I Newcastle again with their draw not too sure what's going to happen the next few weeks but yeah. there you go there's the power rankings wrapped up jumping the reviews of the games of the weekend some of these obviously don't need a lot of explanation but uh, first game was the Tigers against the Cowboys 28-4 Green, apparently, unhappy again after the game. He's made a bit of a habit of this this year, complaining about some decisions as far as some of those Paul calls. Paul Green? Yeah. They got fucking hammered. I think they got dudded on the obstruction call. Yeah, I was I... confused as to what happened there because they said it was on... <clears throat> well, I had an argument with a bloke at school about this. I, I believe it was a poor call. 
he swears blind it was an obstruction. So, Well, they said it was Embiya, though. I thought <clears> they were going to call it on Brooks, if anyone. They called it on the outside of Embiya, who, to me, was not obstructed. Hmm. Well, that's why live I was confused. I was watching our old man, and he was like, what? even he was saying what the bloody hell was going on. The other one was the forward pass that I think looked worse because he turned his hips out, and then not long after, I think on the flip side, a pass was very similar. That position where they do that drop-off pass and turn your hips is enough to trick touch judges at times. Um, I think the thing that really bothered me about this is I think the Cowboys had chances that they just blew. Yeah. One or two were taken off them, but the fact that I thought they played poorly but still had chances to score. But yeah, The I, Cowboys are the most frustrating side to tip and watch, and they must be a terribly frustrating side to coach. And I feel for Paul Green, but don't get in there and make excuses. No, nah, and I think it's, it's become a habit this year that he's had a couple of smacks. Uh, but yeah, He's but, under pressure. He's feeling it a little bit, I think. Morgan back in there, you think would have made a difference with well, Clifford, didn't. but it didn't He's make a difference. He's clearly not healthy. He didn't have a, a great night out. I think in general they didn't have a great night out. I think Tamalolo has been the one constant as always all year, and that seemed to be the case again the other night. And I think Cole felt since he's been back in, has been quite good as well. Good in yardage, been very very busy. But Drinkwater's been good. Yeah, Drinkwater's good. I still think he's got some errors in his game, but again he's playing in a side that's struggling a little bit. But he'll develop more probably with an off season. On the Tigers side, I think probably the most impressive thing is Maguire's been preaching that they need to be bit more ruthless and better with their defence. I think that was one of their better games. They scrambled well a couple of times. Their contact in particular. Mo Zembai looked like he had a real B under his bonnet the other night. I think Mo Zembai's defended really well. He has played well, but he was super aggressive. I think the move to put Madison in the middle since they've lost Packer and obviously Madalino has helped along with Josh Alloyer. They're a lot mobile. They get a lot of work done through there. Brooks, to me, again, slowly kind of gone under the radar this year and done a really good job along with Benji Marshall and Farrah have complimented him quite well. And even Thompson, who's had a really good year, I thought he was a bit quiet the other night because he wasn't so much needed. But, uh, yeah, it was a good win. And they've dragged themselves back out of a hole a couple of weeks ago. They looked like they'd fell into one. And now they're slowly looking like they possibly might get into the bottom end of the eight and taking on the hard words from their coach, I guess. That, 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 those comments the other week, like you said, were laying down the gauntlet, I guess, and he could have got a response or they could have flopped. Mm. But it seems so far they've definitely responded. But Cowboys, uh, probably... Things are done, I, I guess, for the back end of the year. The question moving forward is turnover. Like, you've got Matt Scott going. Is it time for Bolton to go? Is it time for a couple of these older fellas to move on completely? Yeah. But they definitely need more stability in their back line, their edge combinations, and then moving forward with the halves. If it's if it's Morgan and Clifford, <coughs> Martin's obviously been out for the majority of the year. You know, the hooker situation still hasn't been announced, but I'm hearing that Reese Robson from the Dragons going up there. So is it Granville? Is it him? They debuted that kid, Ruben Cotter. They need to settle on a few things before next season. They need to settle on it fast. Canberra, 46-12 over the Warriors. It was 30 nil at halftime. Uh, this is just what I call a white flag game, in all honesty. They didn't turn up. They had some opportunities early, just from penalties and a bit of the flow of the game where they got up the other end of the field. But this one for Canberra, they just completely rolled through them. Their forward pack was outstanding. Plenty of second-phase football, and Hodgson was dominant. Everything came off Hodgson that was good. He controlled the ruck. He manipulated Marcus. He got his forwards over the ad line. He decided what kind of width they were playing with. He probed. He ran. He kicked. He, he set up tries and just completely controlled this game in every single facet. He made his halves look better. And like I said before, in particular, their forward pack. The offloads to Pine finding some form. Papali's been great all year. Soliol, etc. And they carved him up on the edges. But it all stems from Hodgson. He gets his house in order and he's healthy and he's dominating. That takes the pressure off those other guys who I don't think are as naturally gifted creative-wise. I think Jack's best when he's running. I think Caesar's got a strong kicking game, but again, not a great ball player. 
And Chance has developed nicely over the year, but again, I think he's more a ball runner. So Hodgson is the key for them. Mm-hmm. The forward pack lays the platform. He's the one who stirs the drink, and it just frees up everyone else around him. For the Warriors, I don't really have a lot of positives to say other than the only guy that's a constant every single week seems to be two of us to check and Marmola with their yardage work. But other than that, white flag, blood. Agree. Good work by the Raiders. No Good. dog shit, the Warriors. Yeah, 100% and, no uh, dog shit. The whole lot of that game was a Cooney blow up in the sheds. Oh, wow. <laughs> 58 missed tackles, flushed that one. Uh, I think, yeah, Chanel, Tibet Harris obviously had a couple of moments as well, but too little, too late for them this season, you'd think. Moving on to the Melbourne Storm and the Broncos, again, another blowout, 40-4. It all started from the kickoff. <laughs> Kicked the ball dead. Uh, error penalties gave Melbourne possession inside, 60-40 for the game, and a similar deal again. No resilience on back-to-back efforts or back-to-back sets. They got pulled apart in every single area of the field. They rolled through their middle. They got them on the edges, in particular that left-hand side of the field, and it was embarrassing, quite frankly, and it's just crazy to think that Melbourne have been so dominant for so long against the Broncos, in particular at Suncorp. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of this game. I really thought the Broncos would... I didn't think they'd defeat the war, uh, the the Storm. As people who listened last week would have known, I, my double of the weekend was Canberra and Melbourne. I thought they were both two absolute locks to win and happened to be right in that regard, but I certainly didn't expect both teams to blow the doors off their opposition. Um, the Broncos, they've got a hooker playing halfback. Yeah. They've got guys out of position. Darius Boyd's playing 5'8". Milford's at one. I think Milford is the long-term one, though. I get it, but they just, they're just they in a bit of a shambles position-wise, key position-wise. You know, I get what Steve's are saying in terms of their experience on the field. They're young. But overall, it's been a disappointing season for Brisbane. And this is a disappointing result. I don't think they were beaten on ability. I think they were beaten on intensity and effort in a lot of aspects and discipline, like just kicking the ball there. They did, did it twice. Yeah. To do it once, it's frustrating enough as a coach, but when you see a kicker do it twice, it's fuck, it's, it's borderline hook. Just come and sit here because you're just hurting the team. Um, well, anyway, anyway uh, Melbourne was super impressive, but I didn't think Melbourne had to do a lot. Well, in, in all honesty, Melbourne bombed a couple of tries. They did, I worse. Melbourne have been fantastic, but they uh, they they could have put sixty on if they wanted to. Very disappointing for them. Christian Welch, who's had a great season, start developing into one of the key cogs in their side, negotiating a new contract a couple of weeks ago. He thought he'd done his ACL again. It turned out he didn't, and he'd take up an option with the club, worried that obviously he was going to miss out, and they were happy to let him take that option. And then when they found out he wasn't ACL, they were happy to let him out of that option again to negotiate on the market as he's, you know, does a lot of charity work, does a lot of good things down there. They were happy for him to test the market, but now the poor bugger has actually done his ACL mm. in a very innocuous step off the ground. So don't know what's going to happen there. The word was Parramatta went for him heavy, not just because of his footballing ability, but just the quality of the human being and yeah. the guy to come down to their club. They were talking around the kind of half a million dollar mark. Some were saying that he was pushing for close to 600. I would not pay Christian Welch $600,000 as good of a bloke he is and he's a good footballer, but... Uh, I'll be interested to see now if he does take that option to stay one more year at Melbourne and rehab and then possibly get back on the market or if Parramatta don't go cold on it and are willing to still push forward with the deal. But uh, <coughs> it's terrible to see blokes in that situation, especially when they work so hard and they've had injuries before. And they... I wouldn't think that would deter Parramatta. No, nah, but he's just, just broken into that rep scene. He's developed nicely over the last couple of years and it's, it's always hard when you're in the middle of a contract for something like this to happen. So. Mm. Thoughts uh, are with Christian Welch and that side of things. But, yeah, for Melbourne, they were dominant all over the park. You could highlight a million guys, but I think the one who's really impressed me 
out of all the names we could bring up this year, the development of Kenny Bromwich now that he's finally been settled and given that edge roll. I used to watch him in the 20s, and he was the best player in their 20s setup. He basically played like an extra half. He flat around the field, stepped past, did all these things, put grabber kicks in. He's earned his keep for a long time for Melbourne. He's had New Zealand jerseys, but now that he's been settled permanently as a fixture on that left-hand side all year, the combination in particular between him and Munster has been outstanding. Um, I think he had a great game. Everyone played well for Melbourne. Olam, Smith, etc. You could just name all of them. But for the Broncos, I think the only real constant in any game they've had is Payne Haas. Yeah. Lodge was still good on the attack side of things, but got involved in some shit as usual. Stuck his hands in Finucane's face a couple of times. But when you get flogged like that, it's just better to stay out of the junk, in honesty. So Brisbane, see how they roll up this weekend. Manly, Newcastle, 30 to 6, 8-6 at half time. I thought that Manly kind of had the better side of the running in the first half with a flow of some penalties and some field position. Newcastle had ample opportunity to be in the game and Ponga late responded by getting a man out of the line. I, don't remember, I can't remember if it was Cherry Evans or someone else bit in and he got in behind, but they had 50 opportunities inside the half of Manly as compared to 18. They had enough ball, enough territory to kind of do something. I thought, again, attack-wise, they didn't look too bad. The problem was defensive, as we talked about again. Not winning rucks, not being able to slow down the middle, and when you get pulled apart in the middle and you can't win the ruck, you get pulled apart on your edges or you get isolated. Yeah. And in the second half, probably the most alarming thing, which has been a trend in all these losses, is the second half blowout. They got blowout by the Roosters in the second half. They got blowout again on the weekend of the second half. It just it's it's not good when you get into halftime. You're like, all right, we're within one score, and then you come back at the end of the game and you've been rattled by 20, 30 points. So that that's the most alarming thing for me, is that they're getting to that point and then they're not kicking on. And... I put it down to that alone. The defensive side of things has to turn and has to turn fast. Absolutely. And for Manly, well, they just keep rolling on. And Cherry Evans had a cracker of a game. I just the forward pack though. The forward pack's well, excellent. Front Oval is now a fortress again. It is. They've got their key guys on the field. Their their edge forwards are running as good a holes as anyone in the competition. Their middle is getting them quick play of the balls. Their nine uh, is playing exceptionally well. They've got well. two good nines. I. <clears throat> They look great, Manly. And They're I playing think... well above uh, where anyone, I think, expected them to be. The coach deserves a lot of credit. The players deserve a lot of credit. They've withstood a lot of injuries. They had a lot of shit going on in the off-season with Barrett, and he's still employed, and coach coming in, and facilities, and you know, all the crap they dealt with last year. For them to come out and play the way they have has been nothing short of outstanding. And then, I guess, on the flip side of that, the job he's done with some of these guys at the start of the year, people saying this is the worst backline in the competition. Garrick's goal-kicking, try-scoring, done his job. Uh, you've got Waddell and a couple of guys who came over that were unknown. Cust, who's been in and out. LG played some good football before he went back out. Like He's just got the most out of everyone he's scored. Mm-hmm. Corey Waddell, Moses Sewell, he's now fit, firing, and looks like <coughs> the kind of guy that we spoke about a few years ago when he was at the Tigers. Everyone's doing a job. But more particularly, the platform this forward pack lays and then the Coruscant and then that change-up for Farnu. Farnu, for me, is a real X-factor. And I keep wrapping him week in, week out, that he's a different kind of nine. Mm. The size of him, the movement, the ability, the skill. Every time they are rolling and he gets out of dummy half, he's not the prototypical, I'm just going to run or I'm just going to pass. He's offloading four or five times a game. He's like an extra forward but with silky smooth skills. Cherry Evans is benefiting pushing off him. So is Tom. So is Jake. And I think that's the other. They've got guys there that are creative or can all help out with that side of things. I don't think it's on Cherry Evans anymore. They've got Walker playing at six at the moment, but Jake obviously chips in there. Sheeran can ball play on the edge. Tom's got that ability. Farnu when he comes on the field they've got a lot of good guys there that link together and play 
they're just an all-round good football side. And like you said, Sirenen on the edge and Thompson uh, in some of their best form of their career. Sirenen in particular. Sirenen is now what you would have expected when he first was sort of brought into grade. Big-bodied, edge-back row, who has the ability to ball play, hit hard, run lines. Bit, again, that prototypical Wade Graham mold we're talking about, the former half who develops into that big body. Mm. They're, they're just winning all across the park. So good signs for Manly moving forward in this one. For Newcastle, Clemmer had another big game, Ponga. Uh, I think Watson at nine has done a real, real good job probably holding that spot. Yeah. But again, going forward, he still needs to know what he's doing. Yeah, Half, he needs to narrow down a position, yeah. They we'll need to settle on something. Keep saying some of the same things in Newcastle. Yeah. Panthers, dogs. This one, uh, I like I said, didn't see as close as I would have liked. But on a quick kind of watch through, to me, it just looked like the dogs are same as they've been every single week. They're as tough as a $2 stake. They're resilient. They give their absolute all every week, regardless of who's on the park. But they defended their line, and Penrith's attack inside 20 was dog shit, as it has been all year. That stat still lingers out there. And not all stats mean anything, but... They have more opportunities inside 20 than anyone else in the competition with the lowest conversion rate, and their shape looks horrible. They look like they did at the start of the year when they get back to getting to a long side, running a double block or early ball to a centre, and just hoping something happens. Or every so often, like you said, they run that double lead to a back row, and that doesn't work when kick-out's not there because they just slow you down, kill the play of the ball, and then you're just wasting plates to get back to the middle or split the field. They never try and change things up. They don't try and jab from dummy half or run a double shape. And then when things break down, they just start turning under and running X's and blokes drift across field, hoping that someone will pull under the line or they can find a seam. Yeah. But they're inside 20 at the moment. It's just, it's ordinary. And they had enough possession, 60-40 for that whole game. It felt like they attacked the dogs for the whole second half. The few times they did get opportunities, they pushed passes and made errors. They weren't patient. They were real disciplined and the dogs thoroughly deserved their win. Penrith just, they played corner post footy in attack. They went to the corner post, didn't play straight. Their halves played sideways. They looked for kicks and soft options. I thought it was really, really poor. Uh, Bulldogs' effort, played straight, direct, um, chance their hand in some regards. Thoroughly deserve their win. Penrith, that's that's a... uh, Could be a game they look at in five weeks and they come back to really rue that result. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. That's probably the main one. Like we said last week, off the bounce back from the Canberra game where without Kikau, they pulled themselves back into that one. You would have thought this week they would have nailed down and said, do we have to win this game? We know they're tough as a $2 state. We know what we're going to get, but they were ordinary. They really were. And now they've put themselves in an awkward position because the Sharks have popped back up and now they're directly playing in this week. It is a home game, which <coughs> is somewhat of a help, but with... Maloney now missing and a couple of issues with the halves injuries and the Lawai in particular being out. That's a situation they're going to have to deal with. Kikau is a big in, but if the Sharks roll in, without Moylan, uh, he's kind of been in and out. They've got direct replacements there. They've got multiple ways they can go to cover that situation, but their yeah. forward pack's now back in full strength, Wade Graham, so tough ass for the Panthers this week. Uh, dog side of things, Dallin had another great game, Hopper Wade. I think the same guys for them kind of do a job every week. Napa had one of his better games, which was a bit better in their forward pack. Somewhat of a better job in Cogger and Lewis. Not a bad combination so far, but uh, <coughs> they thoroughly deserve the result. The wins they've got the last couple of weeks, I'm glad they've got away from the spoon. Because to be honest, they've they been, don't deserve the spoon. They don't. I, I think definitely the Dragons' year as a whole, the Titans' year as a whole, even the, the Cowboys are, and the Warriors the, are, are winks for the wooden spoon. No one's been anywhere near. Well, Dragons this week the are the only one as low as them, and they're playing each other. So if the Dragons don't get the job done this week, they're kidding themselves. But 
Excellent by the doggies in this one. Sharks to South, as you spoke about before, 39-24. South were well off, in my opinion. Uh, they walked into a shitstorm. Sharks at Shark Park, back to full strength. Everyone sort of on board. Wade Graham back in. All their forwards back on board. Uh, they dominated their middle. They got them on the edges. Wade Graham, as I said before, absolute outstanding. He unlocks all parts of their game. But in particular, that left edge where he was, the highlight of my night was that pass he threw across the face of Moylan. Window perfect to Bronson Cherry. And they got them at will down that edge. But his, his game as a whole, his defense, his kick pressure on hard. Every time Wade Graham was in the frame, it was quality. Yeah. And it just rubbed off on all his teammates. Yeah, they laid a real good platform at the start of the game. I think Dugan had one of his better games as well. Like just If they all can all get away from the me stuff and focus on the wheel, like Alan said a couple of weeks ago, they had a couple of issues there, they could be anything. I really think they could. But they're probably going to have to do it from the bottom end of the eight. Does it happen very often? No. We've seen teams push through from the bottom side and not win. But if that 17 that is there right now gets into the finals, they could rattle some cages if they're on. Mm. They really, really could. But the key to it, and we saw it again on the weekend, is definitely Wade Graham. I still think Johnson needs to play better uh, all year. I think he's been a bit up and down. We spoke about the Flanagan period there, and they played quite well before Johnson came back in. They had that little bit of a slump. But, yeah, even the Fafita, you are the combination off the bench now. And then starting with Prior and Woods to do that shitty kind of work at the start of the game. They're, they're in a real good situation <coughs> going to the back end of the season if they can keep this all together. Yeah, no, absolutely. No argument. Uh, can They get, They probably can't get into the four now, which is going to hurt them. But They blew that. They're, <clears throat> they're one team that is very, very strong and could potentially make a run from the bottom four. Yeah. As far as Souths are concerned. If uh, they get there. There's been a couple of guys that have looked flat in the last few weeks. You see Cook on the weekend pull up on his arm. Gagol was said to be in some doubt for this game as well. Sam's first game back, we already said it. The old discipline and kind of spilling over. I thought that rolled to their forward pack. Uh, you know, Tom, <clears throat> he was only just kind of back. George is still a way off. I think for them heading into the final, they need to find some form. In particular, start winning the middle of the field again. That's the big one. Yep. I think Cody's... And that is the recipe for success in in September. Well, particularly the way they like to play their football. If they roll forward, that gets Cook involved in the game. He's more effective. And when he's more effective and they're rolling forward, you see the likes of Cody Walker come into it. And then you've got Reynolds, who's just the pump master. He pulls all the strings. He kicks. He controls. They've got strike on both sides of the field. But at the moment, I think it's the middle is the part they've got to tighten up and get back to doing Mm. their job there. But obviously, they've had troops in and out week in, week out. And... Now, Sam, uh, as we're probably going to check sometime soon, what's happened with him is potentially going to be missing when they walk into Melbourne Storm this weekend, which is a huge blow. So, moving off that one, Wade, Sherry, Gal, all around, I thought they were great. The South, Murray consistent as always. Cook was solid. Dewey's given a good uh, showing of himself, I think, in his time playing at the back of the field. Roosters, Titans, just embarrassing. 58 6. We don't even need to talk about it. I think the main thing here again, friend, Rhea Hargraves, Cordner, Tokiaha, Hall. Didn't matter if those five guys were out. They've obviously got enough quality to cover that, but I didn't expect the Titans to play that poorly in summary. And the Do fact you really that want me to comment? Kevin Proctor ha- actually issued an apology or a letter to all the fans about how appalling they were. Um, yeah, like 58 to 6. Imagine, like, again, if those guys are in, could it have been worse? Yeah, maybe it could have been worse. I, I don't know, but fuck. I, I expected better. I really did. The only thing I've got to say to this, I know this is coming out a lot the of... The Titans are an embarrassment. They are an embarrassment. But a lot of the media is starting As a fan, to, I'm, I'm disgusted to say that I, I support them. That's how bad they are. A lot of the media are only just starting to comment on what we said a couple of weeks ago, and particularly that I've been hammering out about Mal Meninga. 
and what his job is. Mm. He's the head of performance and culture and all that. Well, I'm not saying much of a culture. I'm not saying anything to do with performance or any accountability, but you're linked to it. So to me, this kind of rubs on his side of things as well. Like, was he helping Brennan? Was he not helping Brennan? Is he just wearing a shirt and walking around the joint? Mm. Is he helping the assistants now? Has he had a talk to the players? Apparently he has. That's made fuck all difference. If you turn things around or you've got skin in the game and you're involved, maybe throw your hat in the ring. Help out for the rest of you. Take the reins. If Hod- Hodges and Burt, are they going to be there with Holbrook? Kind of doubt it. Probably not. So if that's the case for the rest <clears> of the year, maybe it's time for him if he is the head of that kind of roller he's going to be there moving forward to be a bit more hands-on. All right. I don't think it's going to I'm make much lost, of a difference. I'm lost, mate. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on up there, but none of it's good. No. And then the none other of it's one, good. I know. And you know what? Oh, this, is, this is where I'll leave it for the Titans this week. They've got, they're twice as bad now that Garth Brennan's yeah. left. And the coach was supposed to be the problem. Yeah. So chew on that one and have a think about it. And the other one, a lot of people have tagged Because they him. beat Brisbane two weeks before he was sacked. Yep. Comprehensively. Yeah. At Suncorp. And he was sacked, you know, I don't know, two or three weeks later. Mm-hmm. That was the last win that they had. They've since gone out and just got pummeled. Yeah, literally. Three weeks in a row. Just chew on that one, Titans fans, and, and anyone that really wants to bash Garth Brennan. And yep. did I agree with his sacking? I probably did. I thought I wasn't overly we sold on the, the timing. Uh, I, I love I, I love Justin Holbrook. I think that's a fantastic signing. But how, like, what's he walking into? Exactly. And again, <clears throat> two years is enough time to fix the shit fight that he's walking into. I don't I don't know if it is, mm. especially roster and salary cap wise. But the other one, a lot of people were targeting him. What Gus said last night, we said that about six weeks ago. If you were at that club, there's only three players <laughs> that we mentioned, which were the exact same ones: AJ Brimson, Moiaku Fotuaka, and Jaiara. Jaiara is the real key piece that needs to be kept. And then after that, we said that Ryan James, in best form for the right money. Is worthwhile keeping. And Brian Kelly, obviously, an attack's quite good. I think defensively, he's quite poor. The one that's disappointed me somewhat this year, he had a better game the weekend's Philip Sammy. Mm. Philip Sammy was really good at the back end of last year, and I thought he might kick on a little bit. He had 23 carries on the weekend as one of the busier players for the Titans, but I just expected more of him this season. But out of that group of 30, that's probably that five or six on the right money. And the, like again, right now, we're talking Jairo hitting the open market. He's another guy. Forward-wise, it's going to be up around that eight, nine hundred. Maybe someone might be willing to pay a million dollars. I don't know, but yeah, they mm. they must keep him. They must keep AJ Brimson and Moiaki Fotoaka. I'm pretty sure they locked in, but that kid's only nineteen, and he's outdoing a lot of blokes on that side, like your Shannon Boys, like your Bryce Cartwrights. All these guys who have played a lot more football than him. He's a kid, so <sighs> Roosters just more time for guys to help build their depth. Verrill's Crichton got more game time, played a lot better. He's been in some poor form. Radley, Satili Tupanur, etc. Just for them, again, all these injuries, all these changes, just building more confidence within their squad as a whole. And, again, plenty. everyone was good. Tedesco, all those guys, it's no surprise. You win by 58, obviously the team's played well. And the last one for the round, Eels-Dragons, 12-4. It was an ugly game. Yeah, it was a bit of an arm wrestle, but I guess for Eels, at the end of the day, they've been up and down like a fiddler's elbow. They've had a couple of wins in a row now, and they've pretty much booked themselves a spot in the finals. I think the, the Dragons in the second half gave a bit more of a better account of themselves. They showed a bit more energy. I think the real concern mm. is... It wasn't uh, convincing by Parramatta. No, nah, definitely not. But they got there. For the Dragons side of things, they were at a point there where they had three or four sets in a row, <coughs> still trying to figure out who's in control. Is Corey Norman in control? Gareth Widdops Too many cooks. Leaving at the end of the year is Ben Hunt. And I, I don't want to be one of the ones that lays the boot into Ben Hunt, but he had the rest. He played poor last week. I didn't think he played well mm. again on the weekend, and he's... 
a guy that, again, whether you like it or not, you put wages on the players now they're playing. If he's a guy who's getting $1.2 million, he's certainly not playing like it. No, he's not. And I know their forward pack's been hit and miss and their back line's had changes. Blokes have been in and out left, right and centre. But uh, in a game like that where it was tight and in the second half they kind of hung around, you're looking for those kind of guys to stand up and come up with a moment for you. And, yeah, I don't really know what to make. Fans are obviously still angry. There's been a lot of talk this week about rolling some players in. I think I saw earlier he made one change, Jackson Ford. He was their 20s captain, got player of the year, scored a couple of tries on the weekend. He's getting his debut this weekend. A lot of people have been blowing up at Lachlan Tim, the young front rower whose numbers have been outstanding in New South Wales Cup. The only thing I'll say there, I've seen people writing articles comparing his numbers to NRL stats. New South Wales Cup, I commentate week in, week out, is not the NRL. I'm not taking a shot at Lachlan Tim, but there's also guys that have been dominant in Cup for years now that go in and out of grade or don't perform quite a grade. So, again... Don't jump up on a high horse and blow up saying I'm not saying he's a good footballer. I'm just saying there's plenty of guys you do see in cup, though, at times, that have been in and out of grade mm. and don't do so well. Like This year, an example, Chris Sarto for the Warriors. Week in, week out, he's going close to 200 metres, scoring tries, dominating. The time this is that he's played for the Warriors, he hasn't been that great. Now he's heading to the Super League. My only other thing, for the bits I've seen of Lachlan's in this, uh, this year at the Dragons, he has been good. He's been very, very busy. He gets through plenty, plenty of work, but he was at the Storm previously, and they didn't use him through their feeder system. So I'm not trying to put the pass mark that Melbourne passed up him and poo-poo the bloke. Definitely not. He's definitely playing and deserving of a debut from the way he has been playing. But, you know, <coughs> I guess from their perspective, I think now that they are in the situation, they are, I agree with some of the fans. If he is playing well, he definitely deserves a debut. If you've got Lattimore... All good. Kafusi only got signed mid-year if they're not going to keep him. If you're not keeping all of them, you're done. <clears throat> Bloody. Yeah. Give Tim a crack and see what you think about him. Eddie Black is a young 19-year-old. See what you think of him. Jackson Ford. <laughs> Christian Saylor's been 18th, 19th man 100 times now, and they still played Ravalara on the weekend. Like, if you're not sure what you've got, and I've said before, another problem is that top 30, give them a game. You need to at least see what they are. <clears throat> I think they're coming second now in Cup, so clearly they've all been playing quite well, in particular last month. Yeah. So if your season's over and you're not sure if you're going to recontract anyone or keep them around, now's the time to do it. So uh, for them, moving into this week, I think they didn't really have many concerns out of this game. I think the only concern was Vaughan's finger, mm. which he popped out. Uh, they're not sure if it was broken, fractured. I think he was going to see a doctor today, but they reckon he'll be cleared regardless. On the eel side of things, I think they'd be a bit worried. Nathan Brown came off back end of the game with a knee issue. So not sure quite what the go is there. Not good for my fantasy side. But he's just got back and he's one person that makes the wheels turn for them. Uh, and I also eat my words on Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses this year in particular has been outstanding. He leads the league in try assists. I think his kicking game's been great. He's developed into one of the better halves in the competition. Um, he was outstanding. Sevo. He's matured. Moses is matured. 100%. Sevo continues to have a great year and I, I just think in general... Them as a side, uh, why they've been up and down, I, I'm, yeah, I, I think they've been quite impressive to get to where they are, given the way they played last year. And I know a lot of guys were in contract years, and I questioned that early in the year, but they look like they're going to play finals football. So, mm. congrats to the Eels fans there. And there you go. That wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Jumping in straight away to some fan questions here, and someone's put up again what Gus said. Pretty much what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about giving everyone the arse and keeping those couple of players. So he said that on 100% footy, didn't he? Yeah. They I, said, did, I didn't see it last You're night. the coach of the Gold Coast Titans. I was what, watching the cricket. Yeah. What do you think of the Gold Coast Titans <laughs> as you're the coach? And basically he said, walked in the room and said, you're all overpaid and you're here for the wrong reasons or you're here to party. 
you've got two coaches fired previously. You won't be getting me. Brimson, Arrow, Fodawaki, you can stay. Everyone else, don't let the door hit you on the way up. So, but unfortunately, it's not that easy. You can't push guys out of their contracts. So, that's what we're talking about the complications for Holbrook mm. moving forward. Yeah, but you can play them in Q Cup. You can, but you'll be playing a fair few on Q Cup and you'll be playing with a pretty average first grade side, I think. See but how that grabs you. Janis Mateus says, as experts of junior football development, what would stop Mary picking a good junior like Tim or Ford instead of older players who have not made it like all good? Can you help me explain how certain coaches are classified as good coaches and almost given jobs because of their reputation despite evidence? Barrett coached a junior Penrith side to not make the finals or don't get me started on Taylor at South and the team. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, well, Trent Barrett was the only coach to miss the finals with a jersey flag or under-20s for since the mid-80s and then got an NRL job. So, well, we know. don't get me started on politics and coaching and who gets oh, well, coaching gigs. Again, I... Uh, I think most people have figured out now that there's a lot of jobs for the boys, as you call it, football and everything the other way, except for Kevin Walters may be the best bloke ever, but a lot of blokes were going, he's a good bloke, and he should get the coach and go, I don't care if he's a good bloke, can he coach? Mm. I've seen a guy that's done an okay job for Queensland, but also gets very agitated in a three-game series with the best players. Yeah. So again, is he better than a Holbrook and this, that and the other? And a lot of people afterwards were bothered that Kev didn't get a job again because they like Kev. I don't know Kevin, I'm sure he's a nice, really nice bloke, but was he the best candidate for the job? Probably not. Mm. Holbrook's done a great apprenticeship. Uh, Jason Demetrio, I've mentioned a lot of times, done an apprenticeship. There's a lot of guys out there who've done better apprenticeships than some guys who get jobs. A lot of guys do get jobs, though, in all honesty, because they're ex-players. I'm not saying that some of them aren't entitled to them. A guy like John Morris did a good apprenticeship. He set up their academy. He did four or five years in their high-performance unit, and now a lot of the guys that he was involved with are now playing first grade. Mm. But some ex-players, I think definitely, skip some hurdles where they don't do any junior football or any pathways, 16s, 18s. Some of them start straight away at 20s. Yeah, just a fact of the matter. As far as what you said again about those junior guys, mate, um, there's there's things I guess we don't see, and this is what we talked about the other way. You don't know what these guys are like at training. Uh, are they going to re-sign and moving forward? Do they fit in well with the team? Are they of decent character, etc.? I've seen bits and pieces of Tim. I think he's all effort and he's all go, and he was last year for Sunshine Coast. Obviously, Melbourne uh, moved him on. Probably not for like I said, the, the fact that he's not a good player, but obviously they're happy with the stocks they had, not happy to let him go. He got a training trial deal. He does have all these stats and numbers, again, for New South Wales Cup, which is all well and good. If I was the Dragons and he's playing so well down there, I definitely would give him a go, but I'm not at training. So, again, the only thing I'd throw out there is the person himself. You know, do they like him as a person? Does he fit well within the group? Does he fit well within the team? Like all these things, I wouldn't have a clue as far as if they're not picking him because if it comes down to form, clearly he's playing well because everyone's touting all these numbers. But I would say it's dangerous again. Don't compare the New South Wales Cup numbers to the NRL. There's a big difference between the two. 100%. There's a very big difference between the two. Jackson Ford, um, yeah, he's been playing some good footy as well. I think this is his second year, but he wasn't. He was still eligible to play 20s last year. 
he's playing this week. But if your season's over, just blood all of them. See what you've got in Tim, Sailor, Eddie Blacker, etc. Uh, League Freak said all of them. I think that's in relation to me asking what topics or questions we talk about this week. We always talk about everything champion. Gary Stavrakis says, South's attack hasn't flowed all year. Just doesn't seem to have that smoothness it had last year. I don't see much structure there. Thoughts? I I honestly believe that Wayne Bennett came in and just said, keep it as is. Yeah. And I really do believe that he's uh, he's now going to start to tweak a little bit with it. I, losing, not having front rowers and not having Burgess there affects how your ability to attack because you don't have as many quick play the balls. I, I think Damian Cook struggled this year. They get a far more impactful year last year. So if Seas can get rolling and get him out, they can win the comp. But just based on what I've seen so far, I, I think they were a better chance last year. I thought they were a better team last year. That's just my opinion. I think... They'll need to improve. But Wayne Bennett's got and has shown the ability over a long period of time to peak and have teams improve at this time of the year. So nothing would shock me um, with South. I, I, they could go on and not lose another game for the rest of the year and win it. That, that would not shock me. Well, particularly... just from the eye test right now, they're failing it for me. Again, that last month, you've basically had none of the Burgesses and Liam Knight missed a couple of games. In particular, between those four, as far as your middle rotations are concerned, along with Cameron Murray, they all need to be on the field. They need all those bodies there to lay that platform. And if that happens, then you've got guys that can come off the bench and do bit roles temporarily, like Easter Tullers, Ethan Logan up playing Origin, they've been using middle edge. I think they've got enough there, but all the Burgesses in, in particular along with Liam Knight, need to be there for that middle rotation. Mm. If those four aren't there, they're lacking size, they're lacking punch. And like you said, that pigeonhole's cooking a dummy half, which has a knock-on effect to Cody Walker and everyone else around him. Correct. And then they don't get space and time to play quickly to those edges mm. and get early board of your Braden Burns, who was done at the early year, or James Roberts, who's still yet to sort of fire since he's been there. But, yeah, it all starts in the middle. There's no doubt about that. Robert Sims says, what did you think of Kevin Proctor's open letter? There seems to be an old saying about actions and words that I can't quite put my finger on. Mm. Summed up, mate. I thought nothing of it. They can keep talking and apologising, but they just need to play better. Plain and simple. They need to play better. They're first graders. They should be playing a lot better than what they are. Cameron says, not really a question, but just wanted to say that after a few ordinary rounds, I thought the refs did a pretty good job this weekend. No contentious calls that I saw. As for a question, what's your beer of choice? Super dry or pure blonde for me? Super dry. We both pure love super dry. Pure blonde is shit. <laughs> well, there you go. I like super dry. I drink a few other things, but yeah. As far as I the drink refs, nothing. Beer is super dry. That's it. The refs were better this round, but yeah, as compared to what's happened the last few weeks. Look, I'll put one out there, beer-wise. What? If anyone listening to this podcast knows how to get Miller Lite from the America. U.S., it is the most fucking delicious beer I've ever tasted in my life. And I almost exploded. I was drinking it every day over in America when I was over there on my honeymoon. I'm going when the season... I can't get it just shipped over here. The season ends October 4 or 5, I think. <coughs> I go to the US two weeks after. So I don't I, care about your US trip. I care about getting my Miller Lite. Well, I'm going to drink Miller Lite. Yeah, good. Harass you with it. That's so okay. I'm, I'm going to... I take, hope you enjoy it. You think that's the best beer you've ever drank? I look forward to that because that's, that's high praise. Oh, I that's just, high praise. It was delicious. All the other beers over there. Corona Light's okay. I've got some of that shipped over, and I'll, I'll drink that. Um, it's bas- it's Corona, but low carb. It's the hard super dry for Corona, basically. But anyone out there knows how to get Miller Light, and please don't send me. Oh, you can get Miller Dry, Miller Draft. It's all no, it all tastes not like lemon shit. Chill, none of that shit. I'm talking about Miller Light, the American version of Miller Light. It's a Pilsner. It is fucking unbelievably nice. Well, there you go. 
Anyone listening? I drank five litres of it when we were in Hawaii and passed out at lunchtime. Excellent. Just in a haze of beautifulness. Good times. All right. Fox Box. He's got a handy other tag name, but we'll leave that one there. <laughs> uh, it says, who would win a fight? A one-handed Paul Vaughan or a one-testicle Tyson Brazil? Oof. They'll probably knock each other out. I bet so. You need two hands to have a fight, so I think he's at a disadvantage there. But at the same time, if you jack... If someone grabbed a hands of your Jack's crackers when you had a busted nut, you'd be you'd be in a world. Of well, I, if Vaughny had two hands, I'd probably say he'd win because he could grab the nut. Yeah, and then punch him with got, the other hand. I'd probably hand. lean Frizzell. Take my strong hand. And Frizzell, he's probably a little bit angrier than Vaughny, I reckon. Yeah, maybe so. Henry Tweedale says, "Pick your Australian team after the Origin series." <sighs> well, it'd be majority New South Wales, in particular the back line after the result there. So that's not a question; it's an essay. Well, Tedesco is your fullback. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Ado Car, if you're going to have a clash of the wingers, I think our wingers were definitely better during the series. Uh, on that yeah, side, you don't have Turbo in there. Your centre pairing. Who we have Turbo and Whiten again on form in the series. They're better than the Queensland pairing. Mm. Uh, the half setup. I think Maloney's obviously moving on, so he would be picking him. The way the series finished off, I wouldn't have Cleary. I'd got, have Munster and Cherry Evans. Would be my halves. <clears throat> They'd probably get the nod, yeah, just because they play together for Queensland on that flip side of things. Cook would be the nine. Front row. Your front row after like, the series, man. I think Arrow, a lot or of people... Parley would be the first player I'd pick. I think Arrow would be somewhere off the bench, or if not, again, kind He's of back that. this week, Jaira. They'd probably pick Clemmer as the other front row. I think they would. Um, if not, you'd have Cook, your back row. You'd probably go again with Frizzell and Cordner, you'd think. Right. I think Felice did a pretty good job for Queensland considering he didn't get a whole lot of football, but at the moment, those two on form. <coughs> but the flip side of this, and we've seen this with the Australian side more recently, is they tend to pick a lot more of those back row type players like I've spoke about on the bench. We've seen Frizzell play off the bench as that front row type player. I don't think you've got room for Josh Maguire, to be honest, anymore because you'd pick probably Jake as your starting lock, and then off your bench, I'd want to have Murray, and I'd probably want to have a Frizzell if he wasn't in my starting side. Mm. So... That's probably one to look at at the end of the season champion where we look at picking a side before they start playing some off-season games. But I think your back line's pretty much self-sorted. I think the forward pack's the hard one to pick. Uh, Daniel Friend, got any good bets still going for the end of the year? Premiers, top point score, etc. Well, what's your one for the 1200 bucks with the Tigers? I had 500 on Roosters to make top four, Tigers to miss the eight. All right. At 225. Well, the one I have, which is now starting to get shaky... Which will collect me 1200 I went to Quinella, which was paying four fifty, which was Roosters and South, both top four, which was looking very likely. Roosters, I think, will be okay. South is starting to worry me. Mm. So that one for me, I think four fifty. I can't remember. I think I put 100 on that. So I stand to win 450 bucks. Other futures bets. I took Kiri before the season started at about $40 to win the Dalian medal. And he started the year off okay. But obviously, after I had that six weeks off, that pretty much went down the gurgler. Mm. Uh, I got Corey Oates top try, so that's that's alive. I didn't have many futures this year <laughs> as I usually do. To be honest, I'm usually big on the futures markets. Nah, futures are shit. And then because it always it's, it always throws up. Like you would have tipped Manly, nah. even Canberra. Not many people have Canberra in. <clears throat> so that's our two big bets that we've both probably <clears throat> sitting on there. I'm happy with that. I, my locks were I thought the one team, the one lock was Mel, uh, Roosters to finish top four, and I thought the Tigers were the lock. To finish out of the eight at the moment, it's looking a bit touch and go. Hmm. That's rugby league, man. Sure is. Emmanuel Aran says, boys, give me something encouraging about the Panthers getting smashed by the media, refs, judiciary, bulldogs, uh, lol. Why are this Cleary, both on uh, both of them getting hated? Get me excited about the future. Because they lost, mate. 
But they, if they won, you wouldn't hear any of it. So just ignore it and oh. go down on Friday night, cheer them on, and uh, enjoy the fact that your team's competitive and not getting pounded by 60. You want to get mine. excited about your future? I'd be excited. They started the year like shit, and they've flipped half their side over, and there's some really good young kids there. Like I know a lot of people said they were a premiership contender. I thought they'd be in the eight. I didn't think they'd be a premiership contender, but... If I was you, I'd be stoked with the rollover. I think what Ivan walked into and the situation and all the drama, I think he's done a pretty good job. And looking at some of the young blokes that have come in, I think the future is looking better. They've got cap space. They've got some moves they can still make. I wouldn't be bothered if I was a Penrith fan right now. Would I be disappointed if they didn't play finals? Yes, but look the way you started the year. <laughs> I think people are quick to forget what a shit fight that was. <coughs> I mean, yep. I'd still be smiling, mate. Like, it could be a lot worse. They could be running last or second last. People were talking about the spoon for a little bit there after that Tigers result magic round. They've come a long way since then. Mm. Mick Ball says, Storm, is Croft their best half option to enter the finals or have we seen enough of Hughes and Pappenhausen to make the change? Well, if you've been listening to us, Champion, you know every week I hound on the fact that I would have made the change. I thought he got hooked the other night, but I was watching the game without sound. And what did you say, Brock? You heard Hinchcliffe on the radio. Ryan Hinchcliffe was on... Um, Dislocated shoulder. Line 5-4 yesterday afternoon and said that he was brought off for a precautionary subluxation, had scans after the game, and um, his shoulder strength tests have all come back clear. That's Brody Croft. So. Mm. According to the spin that's been put out, or whether it's the truth, or I think Melbourne would have a reason to spin, so... It looks as though he's just bought off precautionary. Well, they've named the side again this week, and he's in it at seven, and they've got Pappenhausen back on the bench. So they might keep pushing forward that way. Uh, obviously, losing Welch hurts their middle rotation, but I think they're going to bring in Tui Kamika Mika. I think his role Big Tilly. will be decided the next few weeks, along with Big Tino, who they've only given a couple of games, but there's clubs circling. I hear in reports they've probably re-signed him, but I think one of those two guys will probably end up getting that role. But there'll be more reliance now. I'm Dale Finucane, probably Brandon Smith to play some middle minutes along with Nelson and Jesse. Mm. Uh, Luke Fluency, earlier this year I questioned you guys if Cleary needed a specialist attack coach and your response was the players need to have a dig. Can't remember that one, but seven wins straight, better list and more tackles in opposition 20 than anyone, that F all points to show. Have you changed your tune? Well, they don't need a specialist. We were only talking about this earlier. Their, yeah. their attack's predictable. Their attack's predictable. But they shouldn't need a, a, a specialist attacking coach. You should employ you a coach. coach. <laughs> you should employ a coach who's capable enough to coach players better than what they're being coached at the moment. And whether you like it or not, they went and gave Peter Wallace a coaching gig straight out of retirement, and he's running the attack. Yeah. So, if... and look, Penrith fans were so wrapped to keep Peter around, which is fine. Like I understand the nostalgia around that. Yeah. However, are there? coaches out there more equipped. I think you've got one below him in Ben Harden, who's one of the sharpest attacking minds, young attacking minds in the game, mm. that is having zero to do with Penrith's attack, who I believe, personally, would do a far better job than Peter Wallace as an attacking and coach. Hell of an and I know both of them. And I've seen both of them coach. So, you know, often the enemy isn't, uh, you know, is wearing the same colour jerseys as what you are. Yeah. As far as have a dig, and the, and the enemy is with it, and they should have had a dig. They yeah. weren't having a dig. Let's go and watch the magic round yeah. game. Forget about have a dig, and then you worry about, about the coach. structure. We're stuff talking ahead. about structure and attack coming off the back of having a dig, <clears> which they clearly weren't. But you don't need a specialist guy brought in from the outside. You employ one. They have an attack coach. But right even now still, already. Peter Wallace wouldn't be telling them to play corner post to corner post, no, which is what would. they were doing on the weekend. But so they're running the same shit over and over again. There's no variations. It doesn't to seem to really be a plan B. No. No. But, yeah, you don't need to... So bring. some of that needs to fall back on the coaches, yes. Some of that needs to fall back on the players. Some of it, I think, needs to fall back on their middle. 
because they're middle. Like you got Campbell Gillard there, who just looks like he wants to leave. Uh, otherwise, we've got some some younger props. Tarmiao, you know, he's doing an okay job, but they're not bending the line a lot, and they don't really have a creative nine, so it's very hard for their halves. Kenny's come and done a good job. That's all well and good, but yeah, he's not exactly creative or manipulating markers or doing a whole lot. Like Katawa, Egan, between all their nine options, they're still in the market. There's still word out that they're looking. And if they're the not, line. they're clowns. So they should be. Yeah, yeah. As far as having a dig, mate, that more goes back to what we said before. If you're not laying a decent platform or generating quick play, play the balls, you're not going to get anything inside twenty. But their shapes are really simple, and they don't need an outside specialist coach. They've got an attack coach. Every assistant generally has a role. So between the two coaches, they've gotten it now. And Ivan. One would be doing. I haven't o. seen enough footy to know how to coach yeah. attack. One would be doing D, but <coughs> I think when you've got an origin pair of halves and they've got enough representative players in the team. And watch them attack. They just, well, they can't score points. Why can't they score points? Mm. At the moment, and particularly on the weekend, it's because they were running sideways. They weren't digging into the line. And what I mean, digging into the line, playing straight, engaging and holding up defenders. Otherwise, there's never going to be any space when you're just running across the field. The defence just slides. Anyway. All good. Jason McGrath, the Warriors boys. What can we (laughs) say about the Warriors... They just can't put a decent season together and make the final eight. They have a crack. What is wrong with them? They made the eight last year. Yeah. They lost Johnson in the offseason. They've made some decisions moving forward. They've had games but that could I have won I agree with you. Year. They're as inconsistent as all shit. Yeah. And they're doing Stephen Kearney's head in. Uh, I, letting Johnson go, I think, and not having someone there to really take fill that void has hurt. I don't think Isaac Luke's had a fantastic year. There's, no. there's a... Their forward pack hasn't been that dominant. Their best forwards are their two wingers. Yeah. And Sheck. But their back three are essentially the their front row. That's where all their meters come from. So they need someone to come off the back fence and rip in. And I, really, do you fear anyone in the middle for the Warriors? I don't. No. Not really. I think the only I think guy... That's their biggest issue. They, got, they don't have anyone in the middle that's a real enforcer that's dominating, that's putting fear in anyone. I don't think they've got anyone that plays huge minutes in their middle either, to be honest. Like, no. Parsi gets some offloads, arm out, but everyone's short stink guys, and then their bench players they are miss, very similar. They miss Mr. Spackville in Simon Mannery. Yeah. Who just tackled just everything. missing that spade who does all the dirt work for him. Robert Terrasve says, Brock will love this one. Suggestion for the fan questions. Super. 10 to 15 minutes, nom- uh, selected nominated questions to limit it to half hour. Mate, we've had a million suggestions to try and reduce this stuff around work and other bits and pieces. Unfortunately, don't have time to scroll through all these. He keeps throwing them in, but... Pick and nominating, but... Hey, we like answering some questions. Yeah. I know. But, yeah. Lee Turner. Thoughts on Burgess side tackle being graded as grade two. Also good to see those Eels win in a hard-fought game on the back of more mature Moses. Does he deserve more credit than he's getting? I wasn't a fan, but I'm changing my mind. Yeah. Well, do I think it was a grade two? I don't know. I, don't, I think it was. I think if he does end up getting the downgrade... <laughs> well, if it's not a grade two, what is? Well, it's still if going. you're going to knock someone to the moon... I've just gone and had a look, and I think that's still live. So, mm. still not done at the judiciary for Sam Burgess. Uh, but if he does end up getting the downgrade, good on him. But I think the main thing for him with his rap sheet, I don't think he will get off. But as far as the grading thing, it's all inconsistent. Because the rap sheet shouldn't have anything to do with it. The Moses thing, we completely agree on. We only mentioned it before. He's had a much better year, particularly his kicking game. It's been great, and he's taken ownership of that side. Brad Tasker says, How pissed are you that the middleweight title fight between Israel and Bobby is on grand final day? I'm shattered. I'm not. I'm pissed it's not at Bank West because I was going to go from that to the grand final. 
If it was in Sydney, I wouldn't have a problem. I would have been lit. Would have gone to both, no doubt about it. Down right, if Penrith <coughs> released Campbell Gillard end of the season moving forward, besides a noted hooker, what position do you see critical to improve? Prop. Go and get RC. Uh, go and get Jared. Well, they talked about it during they the year, did. and that would be a hell of a move for Ugh. that young forward pack. They've got a debutante this year who we talked about at the start of the year, Spencer Lane, who apparently player. murdered RCG during the preseason, and that was the start of this RCG yeah. tantrum and want to get out because one of the juniors just pummeled him apparently all preseason. Mm. So Spencer Lane, I think, is only 18, 19 years old still. So he can play 20s again next year, I think. He won't be playing right, 20s, my friend. He's been playing very, very well in the cup, and he gets an opportunity this week. But, yeah, I think getting more middles in there. Tamao, I don't know. Is this his last year? I don't or know. Or not. But Tamao's coming to the back end. They've got Fish Harris plugging last in there. Year They've on got other guys doing that job. So middles is a position that they're going to have to address soon. Mm. Marcus Sevens is a frustrated Broncos fan. I know you guys support C by what he's done, but why is he sticking with Boyd at 5'8"? Well, who else does he play there? Yeah. And he goes, I know we've got injuries to Deard and O'Sullivan, but surely this is not a long-term plan. He can't create, can't kick, steer, organise a side. I don't buy the excuse of him making tackles. No, I, I agree with both points. There's yeah. no one else to put there. Come next season, Boyd will not be a 5'8". He'll, he'll, be, he'll be on the wing. He'll be playing centre or something, I reckon. Centre or wing. I think the spot that's vulnerable <coughs> is probably where Shibasaki is. If Shibasaki is okay, they might force him there if they can't get rid of him. I still think in the off-season they'll try and find a way to get him a job or get him out of there. I don't know if it'll end up happening. I don't know, but all I know is he won't be playing. If he's playing 5-8 at the start of next year, I'll be the first to criticise Anthony Seabold. When you're looking there with Tony Staggs, they've signed Xavier Coates, you've got Corey Oates, etc. Like, there's really at a point now where he's just a salary cap burden mm. and they're forcing a way to find a spot for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, something needs to be give, but... The only reason he's playing that like is he's, because... He's club captain, yes? Yep. Was he appointed by Anthony Seabold as club captain? No. Was he signed on this big deal by Anthony Seabold? No. There you go. Same as the Maguire thing that everyone blew up about. That happened before he that got was, That was not his call. And the other three moves that I've argued about until I was blue in the face, I agree with all of them. Jordan Carhu... Well, look at the impact loss. that Nick Arima's had at the Warriors. Duck egg. Yeah. And again, on good money. Jordan Carhu <laughs> wants to play fullback. Okay, Jordan. Yeah. Go somewhere. And he's not playing fullback there anymore anyway. Nope. They went and bought Scott and Drinkwater. He's a solid player, but he's consistently injured, so you're not paying big money for someone. Anyway, move on. The James Roberts one's a pointless argument. The bloke didn't want to be there. James Roberts, please. So, yeah. did, did anyone watch him play on Saturday night? Mm-hmm. Daniel Ailu, any chance to pine gets on the market given Bateman and Whitehead seem to have the edges locked down? I highly doubt I'll let him go. They only gave him a massive upgrade last year, I think, for four years. Not so. a chance. This is the first of four. He can play that 13 role. He can play an edge. He'll play in the middle. They'll just use him like they use for Parley. They've got dynamic, mobile, big forwards all across the park. That is the goal for your forward pack moving forward. They have the ideal forward pack, the Canberra Raiders, right now for the way the game's moving. So there's no way he's going anywhere. Yeah. Black Copland, thoughts on when sides defend inside their own 20, uh, their own try line from inside 20, giving away a penalty rather than just having a blow a penalty and stop the game. Give referees discretion to restart the tackle count. Well, we've had this one a few times with people... From the nines, I think... then changing the fabric of the game. Yeah, too many changes. I think the main thing is... Sin bin if there's repeated offences. Yeah, put him in the bin. Liam Crimson, what (laughs) chance do you give the Tigers to break their finals drought and do you see them troubling any of the top eight if they sneak in? I think they're a big chance of making the finals, little chance of challenging anyone. Well, week one would depend on who's sitting at five and six if they get seven or eight. If you win win week one, congratulations. Well, they could... get belted week two. They could potentially play the Sharks two weeks in a row if things turn out the way they look at the moment. Or if not, they could end up playing Raiders or Manly or South week one, which would be a big ask away. That's for sure. <coughs> Sean Dennis seen the prowler tackle creeping into our game and not being talked about. It basically ended Craig Wynn's time at South Sydney, and I did see it happen again in the Canberra game. Did the rule just vanish into obscurity again? 
Oh, I think What's Prowler tackle? The one where they hold him up and then come in? Yeah, I think you're going at the back or going up behind the knees or cutting below the knees. That's the cannibal, isn't it? Mm. Well, we've said this before. Generally, you see reactions to things when they happen and they happen for a short period of time and then we move on to something else and it kind of falls out of line. Like, so it's not really anything new. Doug Waters, you're Justin Holbrook. What are the first three things you do day one at the Titans? Anything you'd do before you get there? I'd be, I'd be into the joint right now. Well, number one is I'd be ringing around to plenty of clubs. I'd want to see everything. I want to see their schedule. I want to see their fitness numbers. I want to see their recovery. I want to see right now. Give me all the info right now for the rest of this season. Um, then I first thing I'd do is sit down with every person in the place. A, to build relationships. B, to get an understanding of how people operate, who's competent, who's not, issues, problems. And the third thing I'd do is get in front of the players and lay down the law. Yep, fair enough. Get in front of your problems. Pat Crosby, where to for Raymond? Well, we give a bit of mention that earlier. And do you think that Ponger is worth that 1.5? He's no. worth a million or so. No one's worth 1.5. 1.5 is just blowing your salary cap. Like the highest paid player, as you said earlier, is about $1.2 million, and that's a hefty amount for one player. But the ceiling. 1.5 is what? About 17% of the cap. Or put it to this way. That's saying you are the the undoubted number one most important player in the whole game if you're getting paid $300,000. Well, give him fucking 1.5. They'll have no one to play with. And then he'll be bitching and moaning, well, I want to go to a winning team. So, anyway. He's a million dollar player, but 1.5, I think, would just blow your salary cap out of proportion there. You're costing yourself one or two other players. So, I wouldn't be paying that much. Mike Willie, uh, Winkley says, lads, over here in New Zealand at the moment, there has been a three-part documentary, Keeping the Faith for the Warriors. Wondering if you have access to it. Yeah, that was do. last year, I've, wasn't it? No, I've, no, it's just come on now. Oh, it's another 20, new one, is it? 20 years at the Warriors. Yeah, we do. I've taped it. What was the one last year they did in the preseason? I thought that was called Keeping the Faith. Was that something else? <coughs> That's the one. Put, don't you fucking put your put foot on your the ball. Put your foot on the fucking ball, boy. <laughs> That's I'll right. kick your ass. There's a preseason with the Warriors, that yeah. one. All right. Well, I haven't seen that, but I saw a, a tag one for the it's other It's on Fox... Fox League at the moment. I need to record it. Cheers for that, Mike. Fat Sportsman says, what about Brock getting a shout-out on Triple M from MJ on Sunday? Hashtag celebrity. Yeah, well, MJ was supposed to come to Lyle's first, but he got the late call-up uh, because Ryan Girdler called in sick on the radio. So well, he missed out on a good time. He did miss out on a good time, so he should have been here drinking skinars with us watching the footy, but um, he had to go into work and we understand that. But, yeah, he gave Lyle a nice shout-out. Um, and James Super made a, made a joke, so... Something about Dorothy the dinosaur. Yeah, send us something over. Maru made the best one. They should send over the traffic, the the traffic patrol, whatever they call it, like the road squad. The rock to give the rock patrol to bring some cold cans of coke to celebrate. Who bought some fucking yeah. cold super drivers? Good armies. Luke Sullivan, match officials said to be making poor decisions a lot more regularly in times. Is there a reason for it? Lack of training, lack of confidence, worry about criticism. Do you think it'll get to a point one day where there is just no one who wants to be an official, or will it be officiated by technology? Well, Please not not be officiated by fucking technology. Nah, technology's causing Frost. a lot of the dramas. There's too many grey areas, mate. There's too many voices. I think they're worried about criticism, the lack of confidence. It's definitely not a lack of training. They do a shitload of training, but I think they just need to be left to their own devices and the referee of the game naturally. And we've said it before many times, the voice in their head, that earpiece needs to go. You shouldn't have someone giving them indicators, numbers, targets during a game. Go with the flow. See the game how you're seeing it from your own perspective and referee it. Be confident in your decisions. Fair. Too much technology, too much feedback. Massive issue in the game. Scotty White, if you're in control of the dogs and the financial situation is sorted, who would you sign to rebuild the club? Being realistic and money savvy, 
And he says, with Steve Price now appointed as the general manager, what changes can you see in the immediate future? Well, I don't know. As far as the uh, talk they're going for both the Trebojeviches, like <clears throat> that's all well and good. But this goes back to similar talk to I think with the Ponga thing to get the Trebojeviches out of Manly on market value. What do you honestly think it's going to take to get them out of there? They're going to have to break the bank and ruin their salary cap again. I think to get both of them. If you're saying that Manly are going to pay one point one or a million dollars for Tom, and then possibly nine hundred to a million again with maybe a discount somehow with third parties to bring both of them down to $2 million on your salary cap, what do you think it's going to take to get two local juniors who are always in the area at their local footy club, live and breathe and die for Manly to go to the Bulldogs? I think it's going to cost you a couple extra 100000 per. So with all that talk, mm. I don't see how they plan on doing that. No, me either. But as far as players that are out there right now, there's already been talk about Raymond. Raymond's a quality player they could definitely do with if he's at the right price and he's actually well, happy. Buzz said, mate, he might be back Cronulla. Yep, happy Coruscant. He wants to go back there, mate, because he feels as though he left and he's not getting paid what he's worth, okay? Well, don't sign two games into a season before you've played bloody first I game, agree, mate. mate. He panicked. Yeah. I have to look at off-contract things, mate, but I think it's not until the back end of next year, but... They're going to be looking for a big scalp. There's no doubt about it. Mm. But they need to, I think, more importantly, identify what they've got at the moment and what's working well. So I think they'd be happy with Corey Harawir and Ira. The way Dallin's playing at the moment, you'd think they'd be happy to keep a hold of him if he keeps playing the way he is. Opawato has been okay. Josh Jackson's been the fabric of the club for a long period of time. Napa this year, they kind of swapped him out for Woods for a little bit less money. I think Hooker's definitely a situation they need to sort out. They're looking at Happy Corris out at the moment. They've had a nibble at plenty of hookers, to be honest. Mm. By the sounds of it, they're, they're, they're lacking in a lot of areas. Just a little update. It looks like Sam Burgess has a massive chance of getting a downgrade. Wow. So He's go. arguing points from Matt Lodge and Joe, Joe, uh, previous tackles from Gerald Rio Hargreaves, who Jared. are saying that they were both with more force than Sam's on Matt Moreland on the weekend. So it'll be interesting whether they allow the use of precedence considering that only a few weeks ago they said that they no prior That's examples are going to be used. So if, no prior example. <coughs> but it now becomes a court of law, essentially. So, <clears throat> oh well, we'll see how that plays out. Daniel Anthony Taylor, what do you make of Gould's comments about saying he only keeps three times? Or well, we said it bloody a couple of weeks ago, plus maybe one or two others. Paul Jerios thoughts on McGregor saying he's never been in this position before. Well, they've never been sitting second last while he's been there. They've been in the eight, and he's stating the obvious. Had some crumbles at the back end of the year, but. Yeah, he's definitely he's stating the obvious, like Brock saying that they definitely haven't been in this position before. Thank you, Paul. But uh, I think, yeah. I think are you. Cheers, McGregor, for that update. Thank you, Paul. They need just, to he needs to just go back to less is more, Paul. Yeah. Say less at the moment. Adam Ingaro <laughs> says, what can the Rabbits do to get them back in the form they had before Origin? Well, he said, get the bloody forward pack on the field, number one. would help get a roll on and unlock those key players on your side. Brad Scott says, your thoughts on the referees coaching players out on the field, like how to pack a scrum, feed it, tap it with a foot, etc.? They should zip it and just penalise them. They are professionals. Yeah, well. You won't get an argument out of us. You won't get an argument with that. No doubt about it. No doubt about it at all. Ryan Stewart, g'day boys. Do you both buy into the rebuilding phase that most clubs seem to throw around these days or is it just a nice way of saying the club slash previous staff have made some blues with recruitment and now we have to eat a shit sandwich? The Storms seem to be the best at constantly adjusting their roster. So there is no rebuilding phase. Cheers for the top work on the podcast. Well, the one big consistent thing, I guess, with the Storm, Ryan, is the coach and the staff. Mm. They may roll assistance in that over, mm-hmm. but the core group's been there for a long time, and Craig Bellamy's been in control the whole time with Panisi. So they're 
planning long term because obviously they are in there for the long haul and they've constantly rolled players over or identified players and other bits and pieces and make moves to constantly make sure that top 30 is good. And even mid-year this year, we did a podcast and I was saying to you that they made three or four late moves. They got Max King from you guys, who's another middle. Similar kind of role to what a couple of guys are doing there now. <laughs> Off the bench, your Christian Welchers, etc. Right centre. In the back line, there were some options there for them. They went and picked up Isaac Lumi Lumi, who was a junior player from the Sharks, who's blocked path. They picked up Simon Nakata, the right centre from the Warriors, who hasn't ended up playing any footy, but all that is to put more pressure on your Seve, your Justin Alarms, etc. They just do a really, really good job. And as far as juniors and identifying talent, they scour everywhere. They scour junior games, they scour New Zealand, Queensland in particular, and they find these kids, they get them into their system like a Kara Munster who somehow didn't get picked up by the Broncos or somebody else and was playing up there in Q Cup and they coach them up. Yeah. And more importantly, the character test. So uh, a rebuilding phase is a real thing, I guess, depending if you've had massive turnover, older blokes you've had there for a bit of time or just a salary cap situation where a few guys had to get paid overs and you've kind of left yourself in a bit of a hole. But for the most part, kind of what you're putting it down to, I think it's true at times, you know, a rebuild is basically... We're in a bad salary cap situation or someone previously fucked up. Trin Leonard says, didn't know if you had any mail on Jack Hetherington. I thought he was going to be a big part of Panthers this year. Then I heard he was going to the Dragons. Well, the only mail I've kind of had is that he didn't exactly have a great offseason and he's been up to a bit of mischief off the field. Don't know if it's true or not, but being locals living around Penrith, generally people talk. So I heard that he'd been seen out and about in a fair bit and that he was on the outer. There was talk that at one stage he was going to go to Canberra or a few other places. That hasn't ended up happening. He's a hell of a player from what I saw last year. He needed to reel his discipline back in. But, yeah, the off-field stuff, that's just what I've heard because we are Penrith locals. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he hasn't been on the field, so could be the case. Still a young man with a future, if uh, that is the case, for time to turn it around. James Keenan, what do you lads think about Trent Barrett giving himself a rap about how Manly are playing? I... I'm not sure why he's saying anything. I think he's trying to get himself a gig. He's just finished <laughs> up all the manly stuff, the way Buzz kind of said it. But he gave him... He just finished up. He gave back well, his phone. It was Buzz's story, wasn't it? Gave back his car. And I rang him just to see, now that it's all over, what he thought, Matt. And he said, I, I, I'm really happy for manly, Matt, because I recruited some of these guys. I signed Moses Sully. I got Curtis Sheeran in our New South Wales Cup and Adam Fanuel Blake. It's one thing to recruit players. We spoke about this before. It's another thing to coach him. He came 13th last year. He wasn't happy with the facilities, wasn't happy with the club. He kicked up a stink. Des, whether he could have got another job or not, to come back in, exact same gym, facilities, playing roster, salary cap restriction, done a hell of a job. So I think, if anything, recruitment's one thing, but I don't think Barrett can take credit for the way they're playing this year mm. because last year they quit on him, basically at the back end of the year, in my opinion. So, yeah. yeah. Take credit for recruiting players like... Moses Sully got fired from two clubs. <coughs> You're basically doing what all clubs do. You're taking a role on the talent and hoping that he'll finally click. Adam Fanua Blake got fired from the Dragons. Was had off-field dramas. So, again, he's playing good football now, but he was fired from a club and an easy pickup. Curtis Sheeran was playing New South Wales Cup. That one I'll give you a rap for. That's a quality pickup because he's yeah. going to turn himself around. But, again, he played okay last year. He's playing even better under Des. Joel Thompson was one of his moves. I'll give him credit for that one. That was okay. But overall, at the end of the day, like I said, you can buy the players. Who's coaching? And I think also he's probably failed to leave out the fact that the Fultons had a big part to do with all the recruitment while Trent Barrett was there. I don't think he was wholly and solely wheeling and dealing in his first NRL gig. So I think he's looking for a job. That's just my opinion. 
<coughs> Barry Schroeder, do you think Stephen Kearney is the right man to bring the Warriors their first premiership? No. Probably not, but at the moment, as far as who's going to coach him uh, or who they would replace him with, I don't know. But the same old adage gets used all the time. They need a couple more Australian guys in their side. It's things similar to what we said before. I was getting players to want to go over there that are willing to leave their family, friends, home base, etc. Cam Irving, thoughts on the comments out of the Cowboys that they are worried long-term about Clifford as Green wants him to play structured, not instinctively. Surely Green needs to be punted before a full rebuild of the lineup is required. Talent already let go because he wants to use experienced players. Brandon Smith, Callum Ponga, kick out. The drums are beating. So, yeah, I think on this one, there's a lot of guys that are... 50-50 50-50 on this side of things. But after those two grand finals, the rough year last year, some of the injuries this year, I definitely agree that he's got to turn over some of those older blokes and they have let some talent go. Um, the kick-out one surprised me at the time and Brandon Smith also. But I think Granville, when Smith was there, was only a year off a premiership win, so they clearly thought they had the right player. Kick-out, I think Penrith went in pretty hard and played a decent amount of money. Uh, the Caelan Pong line, similar deal again. I think they screwed themselves on the cap because they re-signed Lachlan Coop for a big amount and they paid him a year later, so... I think a lot of it come down to cap management at the time as far as keeping those players. But again, when you're breeding juniors or growing juniors, you need to identify these things before they come and hit you in the face. Mm. So they probably could do a better job there. Duncan Bridgeford, you may have already covered it by now, but your thoughts on Kane Evans being binned on Sunday? Oh. Surely that was just a good hit. We vary on this one. Ah. I can't fucking believe he was sent Sinbin for that. There was zero intent to hit him in the head. He hit him with his chest. Yeah, he stepped he across. He got off him. like fuck. I've had enough of it. It's gone to the point where it's just ridiculous. There was zero intent in it. He, has he been charged? No. Uh, Is he at the judiciary tonight? Nope. No. And he got ten. Ridiculous. Mm. Crazy. 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 Bill McCutcheon should have hit the ref like that. That's what he should have hit the ref like that. Bill McCutcheon, massively frustrated Warriors fan. While I see some promising things coming out of our flag and New South Wales Cup side, first grade teams beyond frustrating. Do you put the problems down? Uh, problems of the team for this week down to injuries. Eight regular first graders out this week. Poor coaching, bad culture. Second of all, what would you do to fix these issues? Well, everyone's trying to figure out how to figure figure. Burn out. the fucking place down. Who knows? That and the Titans. Two cans of petrol. We'll fix that. The only well, two people have got them to grand finals, and then again the year after they've generally gone down the, the Titans. Middle. Nah, the yeah, Warriors. Exactly. I'm not exactly. talking about the Titans. I'm talking about the Warriors. I'm just saying, I just burned both down. Yeah. Hey, on fire. Setty on fire. I think the biggest disappointment is when they had all those good crop suppliers come through the twenties. A lot of those guys fell by the wayside or went elsewhere as well. Yeah. You see them playing at other NRL clubs like Tokyo was like that. There's a bunch of them that end up at other clubs and you just sit there and go, Good yeah. decision, that one. How'd you figure this out? Wow. Last one, Dylan Collins. Holbrook, does he have a chance to back out of the Titans deal? I would 100% after seeing Sunday's games. Do you honestly think... He wouldn't be the first to back That one-off season can change anything for the Titans with attitude? Yeah, I do. With the players? Or is he going to be stuck with them for I do. Years? I think one week's long enough to change some stuff at the Titans. Yeah. Well, I'll argue what you want. I'm just telling you. I think Holbrook has got a... An eye for attention to detail. Now, whether he can transfer that to the playing group is going to be his biggest challenge. And there's an old saying, if you can't change the person, change the person. Chew on that one. Chew on that one, you reckon? If you can't change a person, change a person. Like Gus said, march them out the fucking door. They can play Q Cup. Yep. Well, there you go. Fan questions done. Moving on now to Gossip. Tips and all those other good bits and pieces. 
brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate, the package on the weekend. Uh, I think they stayed about even with the amount of units. And as far as the best bets, they won again on the weekend. They had the Dogs plus six and a half. So two weeks in a row now they've got up. Keep your eyes on that one. And like we said last week, they charge you monthly. We're getting to the back end of the season. If you've ever thought about taking up the package or giving a test run with the boys there from the Pro Sports Syndicate, now's the time to do it. Give it a run before the season ends and keep your eyes peeled for the NFL. The NFL is about to kick well, back I'm off. I want to take the rap for that one for what? their best bet this weekend, the boys. But they gave they us two put, They gave us two. You weren't taking the Titans. I said I wouldn't put my worst enemy's money on the Gold Coast. There you go. With any start. they they That should have been a 20-minute start. That, the start was gone in 20 minutes. It was gone in less than 20 minutes. 18 minutes. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, come on. So we got there. Doggies, good bet. Two in a row, like we said, with the best bets. Get on board with the boys at the back end of the year. If you've ever thought about trying the package, get on board now and keep your eyes open for the NFL. We're both big fans. The boys will be listening too. We want to pay rise. So keep, getting, keep getting the best bets. <laughs> Cutting in. Good times. All right. Mr. Oh, Barker, he'd be over there at the bloody cricket anyway, wouldn't he? Yeah. Living it up at the World Cup final, sending us photos, photos of fucking champagne. What's going on there? I'm digging holes and climbing poles. Shit. And he's drinking champers. Think of us lowlights, mate. Good times. <clears throat> well, Mr. Gossip, he's got some good stuff that he sent through this week. A couple that were confirmed earlier. In particular, first one here, Turpin has stayed at the Broncos. Jake Turpin. His no ex- surprise. identity stay by three years. I'm pretty sure he played <laughs> under Seabold when he was down at Melbourne Storm before he left the club. He's up there now. He's obviously played a varied amount of roles. He probably... Looking long-term to be a utility kind of player, off the bench, impact. Hits like a truck, great attitude, so it's good for him. Number two, Api Corusio. He's mentioned spoke about the last few weeks, but the chase is still on. We've already heard about the Bulldogs being very, very interested. The Eels are now sniffing around and also the Penrith Panthers. So we'll talk about teams need number nines. A couple of clubs definitely interested in him. Piece three he has here, Mr. Gossip. Tino Famasula Luai from the Melbourne Storm, the 19-year-old who's debuted a couple of uh, weeks back and I think he's played two games now massive raps on him the 19 year old there was reports that the Warriors and multiple clubs were in the Warriors were interested in offering half a million dollars after playing only two games but he's set to stay at Melbourne apparently for three more years so I'm happy about that one and the last one something you wouldn't be happy about Brock according oh, to Mr. Gothlet the Tigers <laughs> are after AJ Brimson yeah, and they're keen was Arrow. to add him for this year for, uh, next for the year. year coming so I thought he was locked up after last year, but maybe only some. Well, Mr. Gossip's confirmed that he's locked up to the end of 2020, but they're trying to pinch him now. Well, you'd be very angry about that one, mate. If he walked and I'm Holbrook, I'd say no thanks. Well, Toodaloo. Yeah, that's a big one that they need to sort out real soon. So for Tigers fans out there, they're very, very interested in AJ Brimson. And if you're a Titans fan, you'd be heartbroken. Yeah, because that would be a huge fuck up if they. That could all be heartbroken. Fucking heart's gone. Well, Just a black heart. Having a look here, there's been an update on the judiciary. Burgess got a downgrade. Wow. So there you go. Burgess' grade two charge for Matt Moylan was downgraded. It's resulting in a $1,900 fine and no suspension. No carryovers? Doesn't must, must be, because there's no charge, really, essentially, is there? Sam Burgess. Higher tackle, careless, grade two, plea, guilty, disputes, grading. So it didn't, didn't say anything about carryover points, but looks like he's free. There you go. One of your favourites. Can, can he beat the charge? Listen, just before we, we move on and we have a look at some teams, how the fuck does Bryce Cartwright keep getting selected for the Titans? Oh, you're talking I about I thought it right? was Brennan. But since then, it's they're still picking him. Well, 
I'm scrolling down now <clears throat> during your angry, angry time here. Um, I'm telling you, you got picked. Yeah, I know you got picked. I'm trying to find their team. Why? Oh, so you can rub it in, won't you? Having a look. Jesse Arthurs is back in, so they've changed that in the back line. Taylor's obviously back in. He's in the 17. Jair is back this week. Branko leaves on the bench. How's he in the 17? So what have they got out? Don's been dropped. Tremaine Spry is in the extended. He's he's good. Looking to debut. Latu's back out of the side. He was signed by the Roosters on big money, Tremaine Spry. And they've got him never never eventuated. No, no, no. He's obviously with the Titans now, but yeah, Roosters had him on a on a nice little contract. Oh well. If they're gonna give him game time, now's the time to do it. Can you answer my question? What? Why how does he keep getting selected? Because your squad sucks, mate. They could pick somebody else. I'd be happy for him to pick somebody else. But no, you just keep walking around the tough questions, mate. Not walking around tough questions. Who are you putting in instead of him? Ross, scroll down. I'll tell you. They clearly feel like they don't want to put someone else. In. I would put in Mitrain, Anthony Don, Tremaine Sprite, or Lalani Latu for him. You put in anyone else? Anyone. Well, I'm with you. If they've got someone, I'd there. put in Lewis Shepherd. Yeah, I'd yeah. put in Baz. Well, I tell you what, mate, if they put me in, I'd blow a fucking ACL off the kickoff. There's well, no doubt about it. I still reckon you'd run harder than Bryce, mate. <laughs> I think I would run harder, mate. You'd but break a tackle for sure. I'd you'd prob- have more super catch points, mate. Well, I'll tell you one thing. With a head this size, if I led with it like Jared, mm. I reckon I could fucking knock somebody I've out. I've had enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm watching, get, I'm watching the Titans now in times 12, not times 6. It's too much depression for the fans out here. We'll get going. For so, the fans? For the fans. Getting into the tips, best bets last week. You obviously put the multi together. Mate, two seventy. So you went right. bang bang. I had sharks one to twelve. Fucking that one didn't eventuate. Man. They blew it out to thirteen plus. And I told the fans last week, I'm warming up. Get on. And then I had the eels and the outsiders. They ended up getting out to two dollars. So I was confident about that one. They did ugly, but they got it done. So it was a nice week. You would have got three from four last week if you got on board. But looking at the tips for this week, uh, I got seven. You got seven. Well, Gossip. It wasn't three from four. I just had the multi, so I would have gone. Yeah, it doesn't down. matter. You still picked two, so I just put it together and said that was two bets. But you got seven. I got seven. Gossip got five. So we're both on ninety-three. He's on ninety. First game is the Queensland Derby. It's the Cowboys versus the Broncos for the oh. Cowboys. The only dro- uh, change is Murray Torlagi has been dropped. Gallim Osby's in for the Broncos. Matchalat is expected to return, but he's not been named. His absence offset with Pungai mm. Jr. coming back. Alex Glenn goes to the back row. Uh, sorry, he goes to centre. Coates is out of the side. Offerhand Gowie <coughs> is into the side with Flegler off the bench. Brock, what do you reckon? <sighs> the Cowboys usually get up for this one, but you know the thing that's pissed me off? I keep tipping the Cowboys all year and they just I keep screwing. no idea. They screwed me. Brisbane, because I think there's still a chance. I'm tipping for the same reason, oh, but I man. bet you the Cowboys just screw us this Who did week. Gossip tip? Cowboys? No, he tipped the Broncos. Okay. They'll probably screw us this week, though. But I thought I looked at it the other day. There's oh, they team. will. Fans, get on the Cowboys because I've got off them. There's teams you stick with for the year or you keep looking at going, they'll turn it around. They'll turn it around. No more for them. I've done it for the Cowboys oh, and they've burned me too many times. So no, no I'm more. off. Clean sweep with the Pro Sports Syndicate. They are outsiders at home. $2.02 two for the Cowboys, $1.80 for the Broncos, minus one and a half. Is the line one to twelve, three fifteen cows, two eighty Broncos, thirteen plus five twenty five cows, four dollars for the Broncos. Warriors versus Manly. Wow, this one could be absolutely anything if they play like they did the last week. But for the Warriors side of things, Nick Aruma's out with that ankle injury. <laughs> Chanel T to the Harris goes into the starting side. Carl Lawton, he's out. Adam Kieran's been named on the bench for his fifth game of the season. Liggy Sow is the other new name on the fence, and Josh Curran is dropped to the reserves. For Manly, no surprise, no changes to their team. Easy one. Manly. Manly. 
the way they're playing. And I've said this last year, and it keeps happening. They've got a great record against the Warriors in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but they do. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, they are the favourites. Manly, a dollar forty, two ninety five for the Warriors. Minus six and a half the line. One to twelve Manly, two ninety four dollars for the Warriors. Thirteen plus for Manly, two sixty five, seven dollars for the Warriors. Panther Sharks in the riff. Friday night football. Are we going? Good times, possibly. Well, I'm going. Very, very possibly. Uh, the Panthers, they've got Kikau back from his suspension. Frank Winnerstein drops out of the side. Luai, as we said, Egan, a couple of guys are out. But they've got Spencer Lane, debuting on the bench. And as far as the halves are concerned, now that Maloney has been scratched, we'll have to wait and see whether they push Katoa in to start and put somebody else on the bench. But in their reserves there, there's got Matt Burton. They could put in for dispensation to call up Dean Bloor late, but the fact they don't have him in the 21 probably says that they're more leaning towards Matt Burton. Stephen Crichton is there as well. Doesn't Stephen Crichton play like fullback, six, bit of everything? No, outside back. Jed Cartwright's played some six and centre in the lower grades. I don't know if that would be the option they go for, but... Doubt it. Looking at all the way they're going there, it'd be more likely, I think, they'd pick Jed on the bench and maybe push Katara in to start the halves, but who bloody knows? So, a bit short on depth as far as the halves are concerned this week. For the Sharks, Josh Dugan goes to fullback with Matt Moylan out with his concussions. Sasai Fecky. So how does that work? Well, last week they said he got hit and that the bunker was down, though they look at it. Yeah, and I it wasn't until 15 that, minutes there's later. There's no mandatory stand down for concussion. Well, clearly he's got symptoms after the fact, but okay. he passed his test on the weekend and now after the fact he's not feeling good. So, okay. Yeah. Strange on that one. He stayed on the field for 10 or, 10 or so minutes after. Yeah, and then he passed and come back on. But Dugan moves to fullback for him. Fecky's back on the wing. Morris pushes to the centres. Other than that, no changes. The fact that Maloney's out, the way they played last week, and the fact that the Sharks have a bit of the wood on them, I'll stick with the Sharks. Sharks. And it's a clean sweep. Mr. Gossip as well with the Pro Sports. Cynic at $1.57 out of the Sharks. Two forty. The Panthers minus four and a half the line. One to twelve for the Sharks, two eighty five, three seventy for the Panthers, thirteen plus three dollars for the Sharks, six twenty five. For the Panthers. <coughs> Dragons versus the Titans for the Dragons this week. James Graham goes to lock. Uh, and, sorry, lock to prop. Blake Laurie has been left out of the side. Pat Cafusi gets a shot in the starting side in the back row. And Jackson Ford has been named to make his debut off the bench. So has he been dropped, Laurie? I think he's been punted by looks of it. He's in the reserves wearing 20. He was pretty poor last week. So he's out of the side. Jackson Ford, as I said before, he was the captain of their 20 side player of the year. Played some cut last year, a year young. Was pretty solid, but needed to put some size on. I think he scored four tries last week. So a lot of people were calling for Lachlan Tim to debut. Looking at this year, Lachlan Tim's not even in the 21. So clearly that's not happening. Again, I can't answer the question for the fans out there, but it's all the fans. stuff behind the scenes you don't see, we don't know about. So unless there's something else going on that I don't, no one knows about or they're not a big fan or they know he's moving on that it's not bothering, I don't know. But he's not in their 21. But a lot of people, there's been articles from a lot of people this week blowing up that he's not playing. But Titans, Jai Arrow, he's back. He makes a welcome return. Whitbread moves to prop. Stockwell's not named. Jesse Arthurs comes on the wing for Anthony Don, who's in the reserves. And AJ Brimson comes back in for injured Michael Gordon. If the Dragons can't win this one, they should bang their head on the table. I'm going to tip the Titans. Wow. Well, Mr. Gelsop, he's sticking with the Dragons as well. They are the favourites with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.31, dollars For the Titans, minus 8.5 is a line. 1 to 12 for the Dragons, $3.475 for the Titans, 13 plus for the Dragons, $2.25, $8 for the Titans. Eels, Newcastle, bit of a revenge game here, possibly, for what happened earlier in the year. But I don't know. It's at Bank West, that's dangerous, but Newcastle need to bounce back. For the Eels, Brad Arthur, no changes to his team. 
Uh, as far as the Knights are concerned, Nathan Brown, he's given last week's team a shot at redemption. Danny Levi, though, is in the reserves. Who's at nine? Watson. Watson's still there. I think because it's at Bank West, I'm going to go with the Eels. Eels. And the fact that they got them early in the year. But, yeah, Newcastle, if you've lost four or five in a row, they need to show me something before I start tipping them again. Mr. Gossip, he's on the Eels as well. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're a dollar sixty-four favourite. Two twenty-five for the Knights, minus three and a half the line. One to twelve Eels, two eighty-five, three forty for Newcastle. Thirteen pluses, three thirty for the Eels. Six dollars for Newcastle. Dogs Tigers, another one that's got some interest. The Dogs starting to play some good football and give some teams some trouble on the way into the finals. <coughs> and the Tigers lost to them early in the year in a game that we said could come back to cost them. So. This is definitely a game for them. I'm sure they'll be looking for some revenge for the Bulldogs. Adam Elliott, he's out of the side of the finger injury. Chris Smith comes in. Raymond Faitala Mariner comes onto the bench for him. For the Tigers, there is no changes to their side this week. I'm going to go with the Tigers for the fact that they've got more to play for. But I tell you what, the Dogs would be good nuisance value. I'm going the Dogs. I thought they played well last week. There you go. So the Dogs could potentially have their two games cost the Tigers their shot at the finals. To be honest, I need the Dogs to win. There you go. He's death riding them all the way. Mr. Gossip, he's on the dogs with you, so I'm alone on the Tigers. But the Tigers with the Pro Sports Syndicate are the favourites at $1.51. 255 are the dogs minus four the line. 1 to 12 for the dogs, 350. 285 for the Tigers. 13 plus, 625 for the dogs, and it's 315 for the Tigers. Raiders Roosters, an absolute cracker game for this round. I still, like I said before, wish that everyone was on board, but regardless, I think we're going to need a great game. For the Raiders, Nick Kotrick returns from suspension. He pushes Oldfield to the reserves. Ryan Sutton is back from a calf injury and takes Emre Goula's spot on the bench. And Joey Leilua is in the reserves. He nears a return from a neck injury. After three months out in the way they've been playing, in all honesty, I like Joey Leilua in attack, but I wouldn't be throwing him straight back in. It re- really surprised me that they're talking about throwing him back in, especially after a neck injury with the way they've been playing. Okay. I think Simmonson and everyone that's been <laughs> in their side has done a great job. And I'd rather him come back and test him at a cup for a week or two before I made that decision. Yeah. But that's just my... For the Roosters, Jadaria Hargraves is the only one to return this week. Tedavano goes back to the bench and Lindsay Collins is out of the side. Still without friend Tokiaho and Cordner and Ryan Hall is still going to be missing for a few weeks with the uh, knee issue that he had. So I'm going to go the Raiders. Same. They're at home. There's a few of those guys to that. I think the Roosters are giving plenty of trouble, but they also got close to the Roosters in that game earlier in the year. They're not going to get it any better. I'm telling you, from my time living there... It's going to be one degree, though, right? Yeah, it's 2 p.m. in the snow. afternoon. This is the scariest time to go play Canberra in Canberra. Sunday afternoon, <laughs> in the daylight. I just think the Roosters got some fake form at the moment. I well. think they'll get a big crowd in. If this is not a sellout or close to it, Bruce, I'll be very surprised. It'll be a sellout. Or GIO Stadium, whatever they call it now. Fake form. But... Roosters, I think they're later in the year. This could this could potentially be the grand final. Uh, but I like the Raiders at home. Well, I think, yeah, with those couple of players and, and they're their form recently, couple, yeah. they'll be looking for a statement win. They've played all these teams up top in front of them. They had a close result with all of them, but they didn't pick any of them off. And Manly got them as well. They'll be looking to take a big scalp. And this is a great opportunity on, in the back of the form they're in and going home. So we're both on the Raiders. Mr. Gossip, he's sticking with the Roosters to get the job done. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Roosters still the favourites at dollar eighty. Two oh two for the Raiders, minus one the line. One to twelve for the Raiders, three fifteen, two eighty for the Roosters, thirteen plus for the Roosters, four dollars for five twenty five for the Raiders. In the last game of the round, Souths versus the Storm, Central Coast Stadium, Semi Burgess, free to play. So he's in the lineup there, and he stuck solid Wayne Bennett with that seventeen. So looking at things there, 
you've got Totola, Tommy Burgess, Sam Burgess, Murray, etc. So their forward pack's close. Liam Knight's back on the bench, low. Turner. Yeah, I, I look at the bench and, like, to be honest, I thought Dean Britt was doing a pretty good job when he was in. I thought Jaden Sewers' injections were pretty good. So looking at a guy like a Kyle Turner or Mark Nichols, like they're all solid players, but I think you might get a little bit more off your bench with a Brit or a Sewer. I don't know if you'd agree or not, but I think they need a bit more leg speed or impact off the bench. Liam Knight certainly brings a point of difference. Not going to help him. Melbourne. Low player origin, but yeah. On the Melbourne side of things, Christian Welch is the only change. He suffered that ACL. Tui Kamika Mika comes into the 17, but look at the extended reserves. Max King in 19, Tino Fasamula Luai is in number 20. I think one of those two guys over the next few weeks will be competing with Kamika Mika to try and take that bench spot, but uh, I'm going to go with the Storm. Storm. South need to show a bit of form or a, you know, a bit of want or need. This is the game last year, I think, when they had a bit of a flat patch where they bounced back and they gave it to Melbourne close to the finals, but Melbourne ended up getting them week one down at Amy Park but we'll see what we get this week Mr. Gossip he's in the Storm as well with the Pro Sports Syndicate $1.48 favourite other Storm two sixty two for the Rabbits minus 4.5 the line 1-12 Storm two eighty five three seventy for South 13 plus for the Storm $3.625 for South Brock bets what do you like mm. I've got one straight away alright Manly are going to win, and Tommy Turbo is going to score. And I already looked the price up. It was $2 multiplied by the odds, which have now shortened. I had 280 at the time. So it's going to get shorter, but I think they're going to bloodbath them. So I think Tommy will definitely score. Warriors win, 280. So try win combo is my first one. Hmm. I've got one for you. Friday double. Manly into Cronulla head to head. $2.17 that pays. So Manly and Sharks multi. <clears throat> yep. How much? Two dollars seventeen. Two seventeen. I like that multi. Um, and Titans with the start eight and a half. Dollar <clears throat> ninety. Titans eight and a half. You reckon? Dragons bad. Well, I reckon. And we're coming out of the Roosters game. So. Well, I'm going to go another try scorer because this is generally what I do most weeks on my own. But the try scorer <laughs> market is generally on up. What's two twenty times a dollar fifty seven? Three dollars forty five. Well, that's my next one. And it's <coughs> the Sharks to win and Bronson Charity score at three forty five. Uh, this is generally what I do most weekends. I don't really do them on here because on Tuesday you're doing about lineups and bits and pieces. But for the rest of the year, I'm just going to stick to my try score bets that I usually do on my own. So Tommy Turbo. Against the Warriors at 280, if you get that in the same game or on some websites. I'll tell you the good one. Look out for Labrax. Labrax always put up a promo every week, and they generally pick a player that's likely or in a good position or on an attacking edge, and they give you boosted odds for a trial win combo. I've got some really good value lately. James Tedesco paid three bloody goals in the weekend against the Titans. He scored in four minutes, and they won by 50 points. Mm. Easiest money I made all weekend. Bronson Cherry I got as well last week, $5 against South. I just had a tenner on it. That was a good 50-buck turnaround. But, yeah, keep an eye out for them. So Sherry to score, Sharks to win, Tom to score, and Manly to win for me. Brock, you are taking the Titans plus eight and a half, and Manly Sharks in a multi. So see how we go this week. Big thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes out for their best bets. If you're going to try the package out, now's the time to do it. Last month, the year, all those tips from the boys, it's good stuff. And keep your eyes out for the NFL. It's only around the corner. We love that stuff as well. They'll be giving us best bets and some promos leading into that. The box head, we're done for another week. So there you go. Getting closer. 
four games to go after this one. Yeah. And it's not long until we go down to Melbourne. City of Surf this weekend, big boy. That's all I've got my eyes on. I'm looking forward to it. 14 Ks and 140 schooners. I'm a bit disappointed that all the Ameri- Yanks pulled out of the basketball, but we'll still be going with that. Still be going. It'll be good. And then Melbourne Titans. Hopefully you're a mob by then. Uh, doing a little bit better. They'll be doing fucking Norton. Because it could get fucking ugly. They'll be doing fucking Norton. They got pumped by their New South a Queensland Cup side the other week. It could be very ugly with those six players back on board. Yeah. So Super. see what happens. But for now, everybody out there, thank you as always for listening. Your support, your questions, feel free to inbox on the page, rate, <laughs> review us on <laughs> iTunes, and most importantly, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.